0: Computer, initialize suite.
1: Admiral on the bridge. And. And Captain on the bridge. You will probably find this inspection boring for the likes of you two. Boring? Well, we won't be blowing things up. Taking or engaging in fire. Crash landing, expectedly or
0: unexpectedly. Those were the days.
1: There is something coming. Battle stations! Some kind of attack. And Starfleet could be the target. There's a darkness. An all-consuming darkness. And it
2: is getting stronger.
0: John Luke, trust.
2: We will have Vengeance
1: You and I Have traveled to the far reaches of space But something's different now This is the end, my friend Geordi Such pathetic old warriors. I too was once irrational, violent.
0: Is anybody
1: you know still the person you knew? This is life or death. It's always life or death, Jean-Luc. When has it
0: not been? With
2: each ticking moment, I will take another piece of you.
1: Battle stations! look! Survival. <laughs> human nature, pal. We fight, or we die.
0: Close it! Gun it! I need you. All of you.
1: We're with you.
0: Always. Engage!
1: Are you enjoying
0: this? Of course not. Are you?
2: Welcome to Beyond Farpoint, a Star Trek: The Next Generation podcast on the Hollow Media Network. I'm Jeff Owen, and here to talk to me about Star Trek: The Next Generation is my good friend Baz Greenland. How are you doing today, Baz?
3: I'm very good, thank you. Looking forward to talk this one. It's been it's been a really good ten weeks, and I'm really excited to get into it.
2: It has, hasn't it? Also, it's. Uh, star trek today is our returning guest robert tumble how are you doing today robert or rob even uh,
4: yeah, uh Ro- robert's fine or just mr sir either whatever way um i'm good <laughs> thank you um I, I i'm gonna warn everybody up front though i've i've hurt my ribs um so if any of us say anything funny and i laugh i'm probably gonna scream as well but just not to concern anybody out there outside of that but i'm very excited to be back here again so thank you for having me back
2: Well, I think we're going to be ready on the mute button for various reasons, because we're recording this while um, uh, our government is doing a test signal of this emergency system. So I'm expecting somebody's phone to go crazy at any particular point. (laughs) Uh. Now, I've got to be honest, Rob, I've been looking forward to chatting to you uh, because I was meant to have chatted to you and Baz a few episodes ago about Moriarty, Mm. but I wasn't able to come to that one. We had a good fun chat last year about Star Trek Lower Decks, though, on Rarely Going.
4: We did, which I can't actually believe now Is is that long ago. Uh, the yep. sort of the way that time has been whizzing and the amount of Star Trek content that we've had in that time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to getting to the nitty gritty with both you guys on this one. Yeah, yeah and of course,
3: Yeah, we, we spent uh, was it an hour and a half talking Moriarty, and he was there for about five minutes, as we expected. <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah. <laughs> yes.
4: Exactly. Exactly. Moriarty.
2: I think that was the thing, though. I think everyone was expecting him to be. Um, He wasn't expected to be a big villain, he was expected to have been in there for, you know, a couple of scenes, and that's pretty much what we got. So, Mm. anyway, we are talking about the third season of Star Trek Picard today, and we're going to look at the characters, old and new, as well as looking at the ten episodes. Um, Before we get going properly, how do you think this later season stacks up against Picard's first two seasons, Rob?
4: Uh, well, for me personally, it's it's a mile ahead. Uh, it's, it's vastly superior to the previous two seasons, which I didn't mind. I didn't, dis- you know, a lot of people really disliked a lot about them. I, I had a lot of good things to say about the previous two seasons. But to be honest, and I'm sure we'll talk this through as we get into the nitty gritty, it's, it's almost not the third season of Picard, really. When you sort of get down to it, it's, it's almost a whole new show. Uh, which I think you could almost argue season two of Picard was a little bit of a soft reboot. This is, there's nothing soft about it. It's kind of like, you know, all the boring characters were killed off and they just brought back all our favourites. So I've (laughs) I've loved it. I've really loved it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there is very much a feeling of a change in the guard of this series, Um, not just by the fact that they've brought back so so many old favourites from the 80s and 90s, but... um, We've got some great new characters as well, which we'll get into uh, over the course of the chat. Um, what about you, Baz? What do you think of this season? How's it, how's it been compared to the first couple?
3: It's been a joy, and um, like Rob, I'm I'm the same. I, I'm, I know I know we've we've gone through season one and two on this podcast before, and there's a lot to love about the first two seasons. Um, and, uh, and there's some really good stuff in there. So there were there were some issues as well, particularly around the pace and the structure of those of those seasons. This one maybe t- the latter half there were a couple of pacing issues but generally it was a joy week on week i've had such a great time with it with this seeing the old cast back you know along with the new characters as well there's there's been so much there is generally been joyous star trek and i've had a great time and i i, I can't complain i've it's it's been it's been, a, it's been a blast beginning to end so i'm i'm really excited to get into this because there there were so many good things about about this season
2: yeah i completely agree i mean i I haven't been hating the first two seasons. I thought the first two seasons were good Star Trek. This later season has just been a whole world apart from it. It's 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 been so much better. Terry uh, Terry Metalis has done such good work um, with this show, and uh, and Dave Blass as well with uh, with what they've managed to achieve on this one. And I agree. The first and second seasons, while I like them, they have their issues. They've got their plotting problems. Um, there's that whole episode of season two where they're in that FBI. No, sorry, not FBI. Was it FBI? The interrogation room.
3: The the, the, the uh, not molder molder, Yeah, that was pretty yeah. terrible. Yeah,
2: that could the, have the been... let's pretend
3: COVID
4: isn't happening episode. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah that that episode could have been completely done away with, um, and you know st- season two could have been a six part season, and it would have been mm. absolutely fine. I I have really enjoyed it. It has weighed quite heavily on the the nostalgia. You know what? I don't really care. I know over on the um, Make It So podcast, they've been talking about the recent... The fact that some of these episodes have been relying heavily on nostalgia and they could probably not have done that and given us more in the way of plot and some of them have been saying that they've got a a reviewer hat and a fan hat and they've had to put their reviewer hat away sometimes just basically to say no you know what i'm really enjoying this um yes i could pick it apart but um no I've, i've really enjoyed this season yeah
3: and I think as well, I think for the most part, yes, there are some moments which are, are pure nostalgia bait, but a lot of it actually has really played into the themes of the season as well. It's felt... Mm. And because it's the goodbye to this era, I mean, there is no more Picard. That's definitely not happening. You know, mm. I'm sure we'll see these characters again at some point, old and new characters alike. But it's a finale. It's about it's calling back and celebrating the next generation and when you when you're doing that when you're doing that big finale you do call back to early moments and and, and there's a lot a lot of love for star trek in this season as well mm. so i i think for the for a lot a lot of the nostalgia that's in this season is actually warranted it's really kind of plays into, into why this, this yeah. season's success yeah it's,
2: it's I'd, a, I'd agree and... with that mm. it, it it is and
4: i think there's a there's a strange like there's a definite argument at the moment about whether um kurtzman sort of Kurtzman led trek is constantly looking back and i think there's that nobody could deny that you know it's like like you go to the jj movies and and you know it, no matter how much you may or may not like discovery or strange new worlds or lower decks these shows are all absolutely looking backwards
0: mm.
4: and to a certain degree we didn't really ask for that you know nobody said oh i want them to make a, a you know a new remake movie of, of tos But I feel like this, this is the one that we were actually kind of asking for for 20 years. We were like, but could we just have, could we just have a proper goodbye for these guys? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And I think that Picard, maybe this third season, you know, it it has its critics. It's been very well received. but It has its critics. But I think maybe it is suffering from like the sins of its fathers, because everything up until this point has been so, so backwards looking in a way that, you know, maybe we didn't ask for and this is the one time that we're actually like we know we want to celebrate this and i think people are trying to you almost have to like disengage like imagine there had been no star trek for 20 years mm-hmm. imagine it had been nemesis 20 years and then this i don't think there's a person out there who wouldn't have sat down and watched this and just gone fuck yeah from start to finish yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely
2: <laughs> uh, i mean look at the fact that The first few episodes, they've managed to break onto the streaming charts for the first time ever. A Star Trek series is now in the streaming charts. When they released the tickets in America for IMAX viewing for the last two episodes, it crashed the system because the popularity was so big that the fans just wanted to see it on the big screen. That tells you all you need to know, really, about this season and just how popular it's been. Um, My partner, she's not a huge Trek fan. She has been watching all of them with me. She has really, really enjoyed this later season. Even my dad has enjoyed this later season. And he's not into Discovery. He's not into Lower Decks. But he's really enjoyed this one. I showed him the first two episodes. He then pretty much binged the rest of it over the course of the next day. So, yeah, uh, that's my father for you.
4: (laughs) Right. (laughs) I think it's like it's. It's almost easy to forget that, you know, at the heart, hu- you know, in the nineties, the height of Next Generation, it was huge. It was like mm. a global, you know, phenomenon of a show. And I know that it's easy to think of Star Trek as like, you know, geeky cult, you know, ner- only nerds like. this stuff, but it's it's not. And and as much as you know, Voyager and and uh, you know, DS Nine and stuff were also huge, and the films have always been big, but TNG at its height was just massive and so this has an appeal to to maybe the sort of the non-trekkies out there
0: Mm.
4: you know the people that don't really care about discovery or even picard season one and two Mm. but this all of a sudden Worf, troy riker all these people are back and it's like it you're reaching that kind of like that 90s phenomena again
2: yeah Yeah. there's a a couple of people I know, they haven't been into the first couple of seasons. They, they, they said they watched the first couple of episodes, of season one, gave up on it. And I said, you should watch the third season. Mm. They go, I, I don't want it. And it's like, no, trust me. All you need to know is that Rafi's a character in it. Uh, Raphael Monsic has a character in it. Um, Data's dead, which we'll come back to. <laughs> Picard is now a synthetic. <laughs> there you go. You're ready for season three. Enjoy. And um, I'm still waiting for them to get back to me. I think there's still a bit of resistance over... Yeah, <laughs> but I didn't like the first season. Right, let's get going. Let's have a chat about the characters. Now, we, as you said earlier on, Rob, we've pretty much had a reboot of uh, of the show, and we've got a whole new cast of characters. We've got and 7 um, carrying over, as well as Picard, of course. But we've got some great new characters as well. Jack Crusher, Captain Shaw, Vadik... Uh, Sydney Laforge, Doctor Roque, um, Lieutenant Matthew Murrah, Ensign Kova Rin Esma. Yes, I've been looking these names up on Memory Alpha, <laughs> and <laughs> Lieutenant Tavine. Any standouts here?
4: Uh, I mean, for me, I mean, I I loved Sydney. Sydney's been fantastic, uh, but also Jack. Like, because, like, Ed Spilliers, I think, is a really good actor. Um, but in my brain he's a sort of like a you know an early 2000s heartthrobby kind of teeny bopper Uh, and i was thinking okay when he first turns up he's a little bit like this he's a little bit kind of like yeah i'm like the sexy guy and i was like ooh, very quickly won me over um so genuinely those two i I've, i've loved those two especially as the series is kind of steering us maybe towards this kind of next next generation um i I've appreciated Shaw and Vadik. I'm not quite on. I'm not quite on the the same Shaw and Vadik bandwagon as a lot of people, um, but they were pretty pretty solid. Um, but yeah, I mean Sydney and Jack are the two real standouts for me, and I, I definitely want to spend a bit more time with them. And I I, I don't know his name. The the Bajoran ensign. Um,
2: uh that's Lieutenant Matthew Muro, who doesn't sound like a Bajoran at all.
4: No. <laughs> doesn't sound very Bajoran at all, no. Just... <laughs>
2: um but I ca I I kinda
4: liked him in the little bits that we got of him. I think the reality is is that the, the bridge crew we were never gonna get to know them that well. Mm. But I think that there's a young cast of actors who were very charismatic in what they did do. This is where I miss the old school Star Trek titles, because he used to get every character name (laughs) come up at the beginning it's so easy to remember them whereas now it's kind of like oh I like this guy but what's his name Mm -hmm. it's like no so um yeah Sydney and Jack how about how about you guys yeah
3: I mean I I agree um Sydney Ford I think I think the actress playing her she has been um really good um really you know she's she's a you know obviously the daughter of a legacy character but really kind of has brought that kind of Warmth from great determination—everything about the character I, I want to see more. But yeah, Ashley Sharp, uh, chestnut—that's uh, uh, I'm yeah. in the forge. She mm. is, she's really good. She's—I, re- I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm I say I'm really looking for. I'm hoping that we're going to see more Star Trek legacy, <laughs> or whatever Hopefully. it's going to be. But I'm kind of almost making an assumption, particularly as the, as you said. Picard season three has kind of been breaking the streaming charts. It's doing it done so well. So I'm I'm hoping yeah. for more. I thought she's been great. Again, Ed, I completely agree with Ed Spillers as well as as Jack Crusher. It's, it's interesting. I was also watching him in You uh, season four. So he's having quite a good... He's agent he's agent's on a great job at the moment because he's in two big shows. And <laughs> um, he's great at that as well. But yeah, he he's really good. He did a really hard job because he is a kind of at the heart of a lot of the emotional hook of the, of this season. And if mm. it was a lesser actor, it wouldn't really work. And I think he's done a tremendous job. He's got plenty of charisma, plenty of grit to him. And again, I'm, 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 I love his journey. I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes as well. In terms of the other characters, the rest of the bridge crew, as you said, they, they remind me of the Discovery crew. I really like everyone who plays the Discovery bridge crew. Four seasons in, I don't really know their names or who they are mm. but i quite like I, no one but I, it. the actors don't but know their but i names. like them i, li- I like I, I like you know there's about four or five of them and i really like all of them and i wish we had some centric episodes i'm assuming one more season but again this crew reminded me of that i like them all but i want to know more so I, I, that's kind of one thing for me in terms of the others um sure yeah i mean Shaw's grown me I, I like the brashness of that and it became a meme straight away the uh, no to uh, Picard, and Michael's <laughs> yeah. request, and I, I I like how he's kind of stuck to that as well, and you know the scene like when he's recounting War Three Five Nine, which really plays into his treatment of Seven, and, and uh, yeah, Picard is great. Some really good stuff from there as well, and um, I'm not, and we are we are talking spoilers. I'm not disappointed that he's dead and presumably gone because I think he was fine for the season. I don't I don't necessarily need to see more of him, but I liked him, mm. and then. Amanda Plummer as Vadik. I mean, she was it was hammy but fun, and there's been a lot of talk about how this is this season is essentially the uh, the undiscovered country, and she's kind of got that Chang ham about. With obviously her dad, her dad Christopher Plummer yeah. played play, yeah. uh, played Chang as well. So I almost like there's almost a homage. You know, performs a little bit to that. That kind of almost you can see her quote in the Dogs of War as she's spinning around in a chair. It's and there's like a, I think it's episode six where she has this big opening monologue I'm like who are you saying this to apart from the audience because no one all the heads aren't listening but she does it so well so she was great I think she was in it for the right amount of time I think yeah we will talk about structure maybe episode seven and eight could have been one episode I think that's what I thought it was stretching a little bit too too thin at that mm. point before the two-part finale but I think she's been great she's been fun she's been a really great um, adversary and I really enjoyed her I don't need to see her again and she's obviously she's dead as well but um, I I I think she made a really good adversary for the crew that kind of very classic Chang Khan style kind of big bad on the ship attack of the ship so I think she worked really well so in terms of the cast yeah I think they've all done really well and um, yeah I I definitely want to see Jack and Sydney again because they're great.
2: Yeah, I think it goes without saying as well. If you haven't seen the last few episodes of this season, uh, we've spoiled a lot for you already, but go watch the rest of them now before carrying on listening to the podcast. Yes, absolutely. Because we are going to absolutely ruin the rest of the uh, rest of the episodes for you. So go listen to them come back to us. Uh, sorry, go watch them come back to us. Um, as for me, yeah, I, I can't really say anything more than you have. I mean, I'm Todd Stashwick as Captain Shaw... Um, first moment he's on the screen, you wanna hate him, you wanna hate him so much. And I posted a thing on Twitter a couple of episodes in, um, and just basically said, every episode I'm just going to end up saying that Captain Shaw is really a twat, isn't he? <laughs> and Todd Stashwick liked it, so yeah. there we go. That's my he did a, he did, he did the after.
3: job, and that was the kind of the point, wasn't it? And I think yeah. uh, I think he did a great job with that. With that.
4: Yeah, exactly. And I think the show manages to hold back from him just being an mm, arsehole. Yeah, that's the key thing. Like his his speech in ten forward that just just holds it holds it back. He is an arsehole, but it just holds it back yeah. from being, you know, he's, vitriolic. He's a
2: sympathetic arsehole. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. You, as we
4: all wish we could be. <laughs> you yeah.
2: you know why he's being a dick, so you can understand yeah. it. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and I, yeah, I love I'm, as
3: well. I love as well with Shaw as the series, He just gets more and more resigned to fact... What the hell is going on? I can't do anything. And by the end, he's yeah. like, "Yeah, just do whatever you want. It's my ship, but who knows?" <laughs> and it's great. And so, but, but yeah. yeah, it's um, <laughs> it, it's great that it just eventually resigns himself to the fact that I, I, I have no control. This is I'm a captain of the ship, and I have no control whatsoever. But I, I like that as well. But it gives there's still something you like, lo- still something to like about him. Like like the moment when he geeks out to Geordie about engineering. Love that. That was a wonderful yeah, nice moment nice. as well. So you're right. He Yes, he was a dick, and you like like... But he... I say, Todd Stashwick did a really good job of making him a dick, but he wasn't so unlikable
2: that there wasn't something to
3: engage with, too.
2: Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, I mean, Captain Shaw, he went on this great journey all the way from the first episode to the... to the fin- Well, to the ninth episode. Um, and it was sort of the thing whereby you could see him... Getting more and more frustrated as his world view and everything about him was unravelling and the ship he started episode one on thinking here we go it's a simple mission I'm just going to go fly around whatever planet it was come back job done and I can just sit and relax and watch Uh, what was it not Federation Day. Uh, Frontier Day. Frontier I'll Day, sit yeah. and watch Frontier Day, watch the fireworks, and I'll be a happy man, and I'll just do everything by the book. And then, over the course of the season, that book is slowly ripped to pieces by Picard, Riker, and Seven. So, speaking of Seven, we can't forget the returning uh, Picard characters, Raffi and Seven. Do we like what they did with those characters this season? I think Raffi got a bit overlooked later on in the season, personally. And I know that there's some fans out there who aren't really that happy that the Rafi and Seven relationship didn't appear much in this season. And I got another question as well: What happened to Laris? She appeared at the start of the season, and then Beverly came onto the scene, and that's it. Picard's forgotten all about her.
3: Hello, justice for Laris. It's uh, it's, it's a, Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, w- I wanted. I w- that's yeah, That's that's my kind of one lingering question: Is what the hell happened with Laris? Because yeah. I would like to, you know, whether, you know, whether, you know, because don't, they don't say that uh, Jean-Luc Picard and Beverly Crusher got back together. It kind of maybe hinted at or maybe they're just uh, they're kind of like mutual friends. I, I, I don't know.
4: I don't, f- I don't no. feel that they no. are. Like, like genuinely, I, I don't feel that they are at all. I think that, I think the show makes it very clear early on that that yeah. ship has sailed. Mm. But I actually, I, I, I completely understand where people are coming from, that they would have liked some yeah. reference to Laris at the yeah. end. Even if it had just been Jean-Luc going, oh, I need to get yeah. back to Laris, we're meant to be going on holiday. That, you know, fine. Um, but I think that like, Laris is basically just like that awesome, cool, sexy girlfriend that doesn't mind if you want to take six weeks to hang out yeah. with mates. <laughs> It's like at the very, very beginning, she's kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm really cool and down with this. Oh, you tried to be lovers, didn't you, you and Beverly? Oh, yeah, we really we tried. We weren't she's like, yeah, well, why don't you go and see how she's doing? Go and check. Yeah, I'm sure she's fine. I'm perfectly comfortable with the idea that, that after all this is done, Picard turns back up. He's like, so look, Laris, uh, I know we were going to go on holiday and live somewhere and do science things, but I think I'm going to stay in the chateau and work on the wine because nobody likes it and I've got a son. I think Laris just went yeah no that's cool don't worry about it that's fine that's fine i'll make some dinner i think laris oh, yeah. is just she's so cool yeah. she's so chilled about everything i don't know I, I just that. would like to have some
3: kind of reference to that it feels like because be, i think it's yeah, because it's they some... said at the beginning the whole thing they were going to meet at this cafe and this place you know, and it kind of set up something that it, and the last two seasons have come back to Picard and laris both times and this time, didn't it? And it kind of felt like it was almost like a cut scene. There was just something that maybe, mm. maybe because there was so much going on in the finale, it just kind of maybe there's maybe there's a deleted scene out there with him and Larry. It just felt like it was one thing that got overlooked, given that they'd had that opening scene at the beginning of of episode one.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's the only it's the only sort of little question that I would have liked yeah. to have seen mm. answered. But at the same time, I'm not I'm not bothered that it wasn't yeah, answered enough. i don't care about oh. that oh. she's great she's she's great um yeah it of what you were saying Jeff, about the others
3: though raffi i mean raffi and wharf and i know we'll get on to wharf uh i really like them together i thought raffi had some good stuff early on and then you, you're right she does kind of fade into the background and she's just there um mm. as the as the next generation cast build and build and become more problem i think that's you know even seven to to extend mm. it suffers a little bit from that but seven's just badass in the in this season and um all the, the Titans great so I, I don't necessarily think that Seven has much of a journey this this season uh, apart from that she's just navigating a captain who's a dick and these old characters and, and then they're kind of caught up in the middle of it all but uh I like how her journey ends but Raffi starts off well and it almost feels like um oh yeah is now the first officer of of the Enterprise G because what are we can do with Raffi, or the sticker there, <laughs> and then, which is great, because if we then get such a Legacy, we're going to get Raffi. We are going to get some Raffi and Seven stuff, so that almost has to happen. So um, there's mm. promise of more, but yeah, there's, there's a there's an um, amazing line from Warf. I know I'm already venturing to Warf because Warf for me is like the the character of the season. It's that line he says about. Um, <laughs> Get involved between two quarreling exes or something when when they, when when Severin and and Raffy meet and I mean, every yeah. single line that Warf says this season is just a killer. It's it's amazing. Yeah, it's, but it's um, gold. but uh, yeah, the, the the way he kind of hints at that that they aren't quite together now, but uh, they're not they don't hate each other. So obviously, just careers going different directions. So yeah, I. <laughs> Yeah, I can see why fans of Raffi and Seven are feeling a bit short-changed this season. I think Raffi was generally short-changed once they got off that planet when she was working with Worf. Mm. But, I, but I really liked her relationship with Worf as yeah. well. The kind of mentor relationship as well. Mm. That was really good.
2: There's a moment in episode 9 where they all meet up again on the maintenance deck. And uh, they they go down to the maintenance deck and Rafi's there with the rest of the crew. And I, I had a moment of, Oh yeah, she's here as well. And it was that sort of, I'd completely forgotten. She was a part of it. It's like, Oh yeah, that's Rafi. Um, but yeah, she's, she is largely forgotten. this sort of second half of the season. My gut
4: feeling is that Rafi is only there because Michelle heard had a three season Mm. contract. Mm. Like I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's what it is. Um, because all the other characters were like completely nixed at the end of, of season two um, it, for, i'm glad with some of them but I, I have a feeling that michelle heard probably just had a three season contract which is why she was integrated yeah. in this and, and i don't i think i think i think you're right i think it, they use her well at the beginning um but also you could absolutely remove raffi from a lot of those earlier scenes and just have mm. it wharf And it makes no difference. Unfortunately, Raffi's presence or lack of makes no makes zero difference to anything in in the story. And I get that. I get why the Raffi Seven fans would be upset and frustrated because not just them as a as a as a couple, I guess, but her as a character, Raffi gets completely sidelined. But I think it's because it's almost it's almost Marty's girlfriend in Back to the Future 2. It's like she wouldn't be in that film if she hadn't been in the closing scene. Uh, So I think from that perspective, I could be completely wrong. I could be completely wrong. Uh, But I think from that perspective, if if Michelle Heard was included contractually, I think the show did a good job of utilising her. And actually putting her and Seven's relationship on the back burner means that the, the series, the show doesn't get bogged down in that. It just puts a little bit of a pause in it until the, hopefully, maybe, next, next generation, the Star Trek legacy, where the concept of her as Seven's first officer and then having a, an on again, off again, that's that's brilliant. That's TV gold. The idea of those two, um, you know, as the commanding officers, with a will they, won't they. That I'm absolutely there for 100%. So I feel in the big picture of storytelling, maybe... Maybe Raffi was sort of yeah. paused slightly, and and in that case, I think they did this quite well. But what you're saying about Seven not having that much of an arc, um, I actually think she's the only character throughout all three seasons who's had a full arc. Because I I would argue that this season three is the is the ending of her yeah. journey. Whereas the first series, she's you know she's basically a, a a pirate ranger type person. Second series, she's sort of trying to. In, integrate a little bit more and then this third season she's actively um you know trying to find her place in in Starfleet so I think that she's although it might seem like she's had a very slow progression this season I think over the the three years worth of show I think she's had a really wide arc which I'm quite yeah I I'd completely agree
3: with. with that yeah it's the culmination of those two years definitely so uh yeah yeah I agree and mm, I think as well yeah. and whether she was contracted or not I think Michelle heard it's such a good performance, and, and there was and, and and people love the Rafi and Sim mm. relationship. I think it was always Rafi was always going to be there because of Michelle Hurts performance as well. Maybe that's why they they tried to get her in. They used her when they could, and then she obviously then becomes
4: second fiddle later on. Yes, as well.
2: Yeah,
4: yeah. I mean, she's she's absolutely. I think the standout cast member from the from the the, the sort of the new, if you like, you know, from from the yeah. one and two in terms of that new chunk of cast. I think she was the standout. Although there were some, there were some great actors, um, she was the one that kind of was the most interesting, um, especially in yeah. the first season.
2: Uh, that's it. I mean, you see her in the first couple of episodes. She's got uh, addiction problems. You know, she's a drug user and um, she's had this massive falling out with her family. Her uh, ex-partner doesn't want her to see their kid anymore. And that's all resolved by. Uh, I mean, technically, her whole conspiracy theory was proved right at the end of the first season. But Worf, <laughs> how did how did he describe himself, or how did she describe him? An honourable rogue or something released her um, her commendations, flashed them up on the screen of every monitor, and yeah. and suddenly, yeah, yeah. she's redeemed. Um, mm. everything she stood up for over those three seasons is for a reason and now the partner wants the kid back in her life again I thought that was a nice touch Jane, yeah. sorry, that was the partner's name but yeah, I, it, you're right it was a fantastic journey for um, for Raffy, and I'm glad we got the end of that because having that loose end I think would have been quite rough for Raffy. I mean, we saw Rios get his happy ending in season two. Gerati, I don't know.
4: He gets knifed in a bar <laughs> fight or something, well, like, doesn't
2: he? <laughs> I remember thinking, that's a bit but, brutal. <laughs> but he spends it... A... <laughs> <But> mostly, mostly <laughs> yeah. happy. Mostly. Happy um, until that point. <laughs> Elnor's in Starfleet <laughs> Academy, which makes me wonder if he didn't turn out to be a Borg at this point. Well, was he dead at
3: this point? Or did he come back at the end? I thought he was dead.
2: No, it was, it was Q's final, uh, final favour, wasn't it? He? Okay. He, was, uh, he was on the Excelsior at the end.
4: Yeah, but wasn't he on the Excelsior, yeah.
2: though? I thought he was stationed Ooh, yeah, on the okay. Excelsior. He's dead again. He's dead, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Sorry, I don't think we're going to see Evan Evergora <laughs> again. Um, sadly. Right, anyway. The season was designed as our big TNG reunion, and we got that straight away first person you see on the screen gates mcfadden returning as dr crusher with um jonathan frakes later on in the episode as well right of the rest of the season we saw the return of michael dawn as wharf marina sirtis as deanna troy LeVar burton as geordie laforge and possibly the biggest surprise for me was date uh, brent spiner returning as data because we all thought it was going to be law yeah. nope that wasn't the well case.
3: we had law and we had lowell and we had uh B4. We had B four, we had everything, and, and yeah, again, we're getting his performance. But yeah, uh, Brett Spence's performance was great, doing all of those, doing all the variations of the uh, Sung Dynasty. <laughs>
4: <laughs> do it, yeah, do it was <laughs> like his show reel.
2: Yeah, it was it was like masks, but better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it did make me wonder about some of them though because obviously with wharf back this is the next generation of the next generation we've seen laforge's kids we saw jack crusher we saw who else did we see well we've already seen the legacy of data's children with sergeant mm. uh um, and soji where's alexander where's kestra that was my two questions from the season. Where were they? Well, I think Kestra. They they referenced um, that she
4: is she, she's in Starfleet Academy. She was on a training something. She yeah. was she was somewhere. She mm. was somewhere safe and outside of it. Um, and I did I didn't no. feel like we needed to see her because also to a certain extent. I know it's, it may sound like um, a little bit sort of like uh, head cannon, but I find the idea that um, Troy and Riker a kind of like quite casually, kind of, oh yeah, she's off doing her studies. That's quite a significant mm. point of mm. growth for them. And we see very much in this, especially when they're reunited, we see this idea that they are now, you know, empty nesters. Um, so I didn't feel the need to, to, mm. to see her at all. Um, Alexandra, who gives a fuck? <laughs> <Morphism>. <laughs> I thought it was completely, I, I actually loved the fact, you know what, there's some some early, early on, there was some, Worf had some some lines uh, in the first few episodes he's in where he gets almost quite emotional and talking about how he's he's made a lot of sacrifices for what he's yeah you know, for this sort of undercover work and I wondered whether that was going to come back to Alexander oh. or whether that was surreptitiously about Alexander because he was talking about you know the major sacrifices that he's made mm. I thought what was he re- referring to. But there was something that seems completely appropriate and in character that he just doesn't... Everybody, every single fucking character is there, kind of like, and my son, and yes, and my daughter, or my children, our children, the children of the future. This is all about the young people. And Wolf's just like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm." I love that. Yeah. I love that.
2: It's the most canon
4: part of the whole show
2: (laughs) There's a great meme that did the rounds a couple of months ago before Picard started. And it was um, just a two-shot image from Next Generation. And it was the teacher on the Enterprise um, saying to Worf, um, what is he for? And Worf's response is, no, I do not know what he is for. Which <laughs> summed it up perfectly. Yeah,
3: absolutely.
4: <laughs> Poor old Alexander.
2: But you know what? I would genuinely
4: love to see... You know, we keep talking about, you know, hopefully this will be another another series will come out of this. I would love Alexander to be back in there um, and then Alexander can have his own, you know, boring Klingon heritage episodes like Worf <laughs> yes. did, but with Worf coming in as the father figure. And stuff. I think there's, there's so much storytelling potential mm. that actually even even mentioning him in this series might have spoiled the future potential of that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, very true. Alexander is a, a, an ongoing character in one of the comics uh, comic series at the moment as well. Um, it was nice to see LeVar Burton's real life daughter as well play in Alandra, uh, Alandra LaForge. I thought that was a nice touch because she's obviously had a part in Star Trek. She was part of First Contact Day a couple of years ago, I think it was, with Will Wheaton. Um, and seeing her now actually in Star Trek canon as a character, I thought, yeah, that was a nice touch for her. And she, she's a Trek fan as well, so she was probably enjoying every minute of that.
4: What
2: yeah, do you think?
3: I,
4: yeah,
3: it's it's nice. Yeah. I thought I thought Mika um, Mika Burton. I mean, she, she did a good job. I mean, Sydney's the kind of one of the core characters of the season, but I, I like I like the sister the moments of the sister relationship you got there between them as mm. well. And I thought, yeah, yeah. I mean, and Andrea just kind of sits there, sort of stands there and supports her down a lot of stuff. And they obviously were quite close. So there's not a lot to the character. Um, but you probably got more in the sense when she's actually she talking to Sydney. But I thought she did a good job, definitely.
4: Yeah. And I think is good, without sounding like a weird backhanded compliment. I think the, the role, the sort of the size of the character was the right sort of nepotism Mm. if that makes sense it's like yeah. it, like because sydney's quite a big central character and realistically you want to to audition and get the best person for the job um, which i'm assuming they did um but the a s a a smaller role so you kind of feel comfortable just giving it to his daughter yeah, yeah. Um, that sounds like a whole... yeah I, I i know, I know of what you mean it's all yeah. legacy,
3: the theme of legacy even goes into the casting yeah. as well and I, and I like that and i think yes, absolutely. and i thought it was a great it's a lovely moment for them to, do, to experience that together on screen so and and she was good I and mean, it wasn't like she was a bit rubbish yeah. she, she wasn't like a bit rubbish but, no, no, but she, she wasn't you know at all, but she no. was no. there she was fine because of the daughter actually i thought she did a really good performance too but i think you're right i think sydney needs to be absolutely the right person but yeah. um but yes. I, I i do agree i think i think if Alandra, if, you know, if we get legacy, if we keep talking about if we get legacy, and, and as you mentioned, be a main <laughs> character. I'm sure we'll get Alandra again as well, and be, I'm be happy to see her as well, even though we don't necessarily know much yeah, about I'll her definitely. as a character.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. Before we start talking about the plot and the episodes, let's just briefly talk on the wonderful cameos and guest appearances that we've had over this season, um, and how many of them we saw coming because. We had a fantastic return with Roe, which we'll get into more later when we get to episode uh, five. Five, yeah. Yeah. Shelby, which I don't think anybody saw coming. Tuvok shows up for two episodes. The fantastic um, cameo from Walter Koenig in the last episode. Yeah. Um, Alice Cree coming back as the Borg Queen or the voice of the Borg Queen. Moriarty and Law, of course. And then we get Q reappearing right at the end have i forgotten anyone and is there anyone there that you want to mention or anyone that we could have had because i think that there was another couple that we would have it would have been perfect to have seen them mm. on the screen
3: obviously Seela. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes
3: we, we, we've got to get every episode we do we have to mention Seela. so yeah I mean... we did get denise crosby we did we get, did Denise get yeah we I, that was a love that was a lovely moment there we we've, we we've, yeah. I thought
4: yeah. that they again that was just right I think there are lots of moments in this series where stuff like Denise like they did it just yeah. right it's like anything more people get so huffy and puffy about fan service and this kind of things like no but that's that moments like that that's right anything more than that would have been mm. fan service yeah,
3: yeah absolutely so I, I thought that worked really well um, I mean I know we had him at the end of season two it almost felt like Wesley kind of because we knew he was around. I'm all, I, I almost like I hope if we get again we keep going. It, if we get to Legacy, we get Jack as a main character in the show. I want to see him interact with Wesley at some point. That that would be really interesting for me. they were not I mean, I, I like they referenced Wesley that she lost Wesley to to the bit, to becoming a traveler and so on. But I almost I, I'm not sure where Wesley would have fit in to be honest. But at the same time, no. we're talking about the Crusher family. The Crusher family was kind of at the heart of the show. The Crusher slash Picard dynamic. And Wesley was always part of that as well. So it kind of, his absence maybe was thematically felt, even though I don't necessarily think there was necessarily a right spot where he could, could have appeared to. And because he's so powerful as well, he can come and he can... He can who knows what he can do power-wise, so he could be a bit of a deuce ex machina as well if he come in. So I can't understand why he's not there, but I also, at the same time, when there's a lot of talk about family, Wesley's the other kind of character as well that was kind of maybe maybe missed from that point of view.
4: See, I'm, I'm assuming that when Jack was a kid, his mother told him about his mm. brother Wesley, and like everyone else, he just thought, oh, God, he sounds insufferable, <laughs> and so that's it, he doesn't want to do anything it. <laughs> I but i think it's, i know we keep we keep talking about the the you know the idea of, of the legacy series and i know that that's not <laughs> a done deal or anything but i also think that it it would be naive to pretend that this entire season hasn't been a a, a pilot mm. you know a sort of a, a rebooting of of mm. this era um, and i think the reality is that absolutely if we get a series we will have a wesley yeah. episode i i, I Of course we'll have a Wesley episode where where Jack meets his brother. But in this story, it wouldn't have been at all appropriate. Weirdly, though, like um, because you're saying about uh, were there any that we expected or weren't... The the only... like I expected Q to turn up. I was expecting Q to turn up. Um, So that was a cameo I was expecting. So although it was awesome when it did, I wasn't surprised by that at all. Um... I but the other cameos I didn't expect yeah. any of those. Particularly Roe. I thought other people. Yeah, Amazing. Roe, yeah. I did not expect that at all. That was fantastic, and to have kept it yeah. so secret yeah. as well. Because obviously Moriarty, they kind of they played off that a little bit for yeah, shits and giggles, um, in the in the uh, the advertising and stuff. But Roe was just a fantastic. Yeah, unexpected, the
3: only character I was convinced was going to turn up because there was a bit of a Voyager. Kind of continuation as well, particularly Mm. Tuvok was Janeway. I was expecting that scene at the end with Tuvok Janeway to walk in and and give her the captaincy, and I think that's the only. I was, I was like, I was kind of almost like because Janeway's been made so prominent in the Prodigy series, I was kind of there was probably going. You know, as much I would love to see the DS Nine cast. You know, I want to see O'Brien and and Bashir and Dax and all those characters. And you know, I want to see a trip to DS Nine in the future with Kira live action that we've had it in Lower Decks, but i kind of was thinking given i know she was met she was name dropped but i kind of felt Jane janeway almost felt absent absent when i, I thought she c- could have somehow factored into, yeah. into this plot i like the use of Tuvok because actually Tuvok was a mentor to, to uh seven as well yeah actually i, I watched voyager a couple of years ago and went through the whole show and there was a nice relationship between Tuvok and Seven. So actually I'm I'm, I'm quite happy that Tuvok was the character to do that. I'm glad it wasn't Dakota. To... <laughs> um, but yeah Fuck it but, up. <laughs> Yeah. Um, we we don't we don't need the other characters, we we don't we don't need uh I'm sure Kim's still a so Maybe Lieutenant Junior Grey now, Kim, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> but I kind of felt that Tuvok worked for seven. So I I was kind of quite happy with that and that, yeah. how that worked and um yeah i can't kind of Jane was missed from that but apart from that no i thought i thought all the cameras are great i love shelby and i i love them calling out why you know of all the things to do you know she's she, it's almost very very borg like the approach with the linking of the fleet and stuff that she was mm. in charge of. but i like lo- i like that shelby was the, was was in charge of the enterprise f because it was like it was like a bigger soup top version of the of the like the uh E put together and she was after that command in, um, in Best of Both Worlds. She wanted the first officer chair. Then mm. she wanted... You knew she would want captaincy at some point as well. So I like that Shelby was there. Yeah. And then she died horribly because of the ball. But hey, hey but um, but no, yeah. We'll, we'll get into <laughs> it, but Roe certainly. Roe was a genuine surprise. And um, it's funny, when she walked on, I was like oh, that's Admiral Kane from Battlestar. Hang on, no, that's Roe. <laughs> <laughs> because she had more of a cane a, a look to her as well. And of oh, course she's Roe. And it just took me by surprise. I wasn't expecting it. And because as well, it wasn't like, like Shelby and the others. It wasn't um, a quick scene. She was, she was a, an entire episode guest character, and it worked brilliantly.
2: Yeah, I, I agree completely. It's... It's, it's funny that you mentioned that Admiral came because when Ro walked on the screen, my first reaction was, ooh, she looks mean, no recognition at all. Mm. And I think one of the other characters said, Ro Laren" and I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, uh, it, even with her on the screen in front of me, I didn't recognise it mm. until um, yeah. so she was name-checked. I was pleased with that one.
4: So i thought it was great because it i i did there are certain little elements of of tng that you feel like you never quite mm, got closure yeah. on uh, and that's one of them because roe was such a a cool character yeah basically tasha point yeah. two, too um you know uh and of course she has her you know she she disappears off to the the mucky and stuff and it was something that never really got addressed after mm. then which is fine you don't yeah. have to come back and and put a cap on everything but it was really nice to have that little bit of character closure Definitely. um it was it was really really nice to yeah. see and then and then a shocking
3: what, ended as well the the ending yeah. it was like yeah a gut punch because you had that closure and then, and then and then they kill her off and it's like bloody hell this is a uh, it raised the stakes because you know it's almost like it was the closest they could get to probably killing off a main character to raise the stakes without actually killing yes. off the core cast of, of the mm. next gen. So I think it, it was done very, very well.
2: I've seen that... No, really well. And, I was just going to say as well, I've seen that um, some people have called the fact that Ro died at the end of the episode a classic case of fridging a female character to um, to motivate a male character's story. But I kind of think that they flipped that on its head later on in the season Then when they got Shaw's death which sort of then progressed seven story so mm. I, th- mm. I think it was give and take on that one
4: yeah i'd also argue i mean i i realized that the, the idea of fridging characters uh female characters for male characters it's like it's a it's a very very prevalent very prominent but it's also very easy to, to pin that onto any female character mm. dying in any narrative mm. um, and i would argue that this was less about it was less about killing her to, to spur Picard on because I think he was already you know everyone was already kind of like, yeah. spurred on um, I think it was more about just that very very classic very Star Trek thing of uh, redemption yeah. through yeah. death I think it's far more that tra- also M- Metalis has said several times that um, if you didn't see them die on screen <laughs> they're not dead he he you know there was, it was you know they had budgetary constraints but you know Row was not meant to be actually dead. Shelby's not dead. He's basically said the next stage of storytelling, all these people are not dead. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it's like let's just fingers crossed for that
4: yeah. new commission. And he's
2: even said he's got a way around Shaw's death as well if it does manage to make it that far.
3: Which I um, actually I hope not because actually I think I think he's he's played out brilliantly.
4: No, I yeah. I yeah, I like I know that people loved Shaw but I actually uh, I he was great in this story but he was quite mm. one note. I think that it it did start to wear a little bit thin, I think, sure towards could. the end. Also, I, I knew he was dead yeah. from the beginning. Oh, I, th- I think we <laughs> were like, all expecting that. He he's he's going to be dead. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's like he's not going to make it because it's got to be Captain Seven, yeah. isn't it? I think it? we Come were all on. expecting him Sorry, to be sure. dead in the
2: third episode. Yes, after yes. On the, when he gets that serious I know, injury. dead yeah. man walking. Um, What I was going to say is my imagination was going crazy throughout uh, throughout the second half of the season. Um, So if you'd asked me about who I thought was going to come back as a cameo, I was expecting this big thing for the last episode, particularly as we'd seen the Fleet Museum. And I would got the Battlestar Galactica thing going through in my mind of, you know, oh, these ships aren't connected to the... Um, to the system, so yeah. I mean, of course, mm. they bring back the D. But I was thinking, yeah, are we going to see a holographic Archer in charge of NXO One? <laughs> are we going to see um, Cisco or Kira on the uh, Defiant? That,
3: that would have been too uh, fan wanky. I think that that would be the point. Would, would yeah, yeah. It would have been. I it think,
2: didn't yeah. stop me wondering if that's what we were going to get. To yeah. be honest, <laughs> but I've got to say, there's one cameo I'm convinced we would have got, and that would have been Odo if René Aubergois was still around, you can guarantee that odo would have been mm. in that in that season yeah
3: now i lo- I love the callback to Odo from Worf as well
2: yeah yeah his, his friend mm, yeah. from the Great link, I think he said mm, yeah. now, I didn't realize that René Aubergois had a son called Remy. Have you seen this guy's pictures? what no. he looks like? He is the absolute nice. spitting image of his dad. And I only found out about this guy yesterday. Yeah. Remy Aubergenois. If anybody is going to play him, get him to play him. Because he is... he. Well, whether his voice is the same, I don't know. But he looks the part. So, there we go. Have a look at that one. Right. <laughs> I was, yeah, I'm going to Google it. <laughs> right, I think we should talk about the story, because we're almost an hour into this podcast and we haven't even actually got onto the plot yet. Let's go through them. Let's let's fly through the episodes one by one. It starts off with an episode called, brilliantly, The Next Generation, written by Terry metallis directed by Doug Aniokovsky. What do we think? Great start to the season.
3: I, I, lo- I love the focus straight away on Crusher as well, and... Uh... Because we talked about before Crusher doesn't really do anything after the next generation she, she yeah. she's there in the movies she gets a couple of cool scenes in first contact but she doesn't really do anything and they completely sidelined the whole Crusher Picard dynamic that was building towards the end of the season as well so yeah I'm really glad that we got a lot of focus on Crusher and um, and that was the impetus to kick everything off as well
4: yeah I think it's a really good it's a really good starting episode it kind of it hits the ground running and it it, it doesn't it, it doesn't feel like the, the pace it feels really nicely mm. paced but like a mm. lot happens like from that sort of opening scene uh of, of you know crusher and then you know picard getting ready for his uh his sort of working holiday with laris and then um before you know it we're on a ship with somebody that might be picard's son and Riker's there um doing sassy quips it's like it's it's really like it moves along and i think it sets mm, up all the pieces really yeah, nicely as well
2: definitely. yeah we get uh, we get them going aboard the titan for the first time meeting Shaw, and Shaw just doesn't want them there <laughs> sevens the sevens immediately they're just going yeah go on he's uh, asleep at the moment we'll get you to the writing system um and what's going on, uh, going back to Rafi actually, Raffi's got a great story in these first couple of episodes yeah. about, uh, on yeah. around Metallus um, while um, well, she's still in charge of La Serena. Um And did either of you spot that it was Worf talking to her? No. Because I no. didn't. No. Oh, I, well, I thought it was Worf. I did think it was war Looking back, it's so obvious because yeah, of all the yeah. you are a warrior thing. But no, mm. I did not get it at no. the time. I
3: thought he might have... Got, he might have. If I had played some characters in my head, he may have come up because we knew Worf was coming back. But I don't mm. know. It was... Um... And when we get Warf in episode two, beheading that beheading that guy and just being absolute badass,
2: it's it's great. <laughs> I think it's
3: nice. About it. it it work I guess it works whether you know it's Warf or not. if we, if we know it's Warf and there's anticipation of Warf coming back, if we don't, it makes you feel quite a good surprise in episode two as
2: well. Okay, shall we jump straight into the second episode then? Disengage, uh, written by Christopher Monfett and Sean Tretter, directed by Doug Aniakovsky again. I think what they're doing is they they're getting these. Um, these episodes in two parts so we're getting the same direct of two episodes in a row Um, that's quite common I think I talked about this one actually on Make It So uh, earlier on this year and I really enjoyed this, this was early on into the season that we were still trying to establish what the threat was we didn't know yet that it was going to be Borg or Changelings and it was still all trying to find out what's going on and what demons were with um sure because there this this episode is the fantastic moment where Shaw and Vadic are talking over the view screen and Shaw is saying yes i'm fine and Vadik's going "Oh, i'm glad i'm glad to hear that you're uh you're fine because you're uh y- your psychological profile and i'm thinking oh <laughs> at that point i'm getting interested mm. into what's going on in that guy's head um what about you two um regarding disengage, uh baz
3: yeah, I mean, it's a it's a episode building nicely. Obviously, you get the you get the the return of Worf, which is great, and kind of really builds on on the Raffi and uh, the Raffy storyline as well. So, I, I like I like those early scenes. They don't overplay it. I almost imagine in previous Picard seasons, you know, Raffi will be on that planet for about six seven episodes, Now, they don't do that, which is great. And they, and also I like <laughs> that sometimes characters don't don't appear for an episode. They don't necessarily feel the need to drag stuff out, which is re- what's a really good thing about this season. I think there's a lot of really good stuff with, I say, Seven and Shaw on on, on the Titans. Well, also going back to the first episode, I I, I like there's interesting. There's a lot of kind of TOS callbacks, particularly movie callbacks, like when they come on board the Titan mm-hmm. and the whistle and they're looking for the ship. I I like that. It's kind of a refit Constitution class because obviously I think we had we had the new version of the Excelsior 2 class, didn't we, last season. And now I've got the. I like the going back and calling back to the old style of ships as well. So I, I, lo- I love the design of the uh, of the Titan. It's very retro look as well. But yeah, I think there's some really good stuff there, and I I like the kind of the conflict going on the Titan as well with Picards and Riker, and who are really good together and. You've got that from that first episode, that kind so, of yeah. shared history, which goes into seventeen seconds as well. So there's some really good stuff, and obviously the first real we'll proper encounter with Vadic as well is a lot of fun. So it's building nicely. Is, is this the episode when they reveal that Jack is actually his son? Is right that, at the end of the episode, yeah, 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 which is almost kind of obvious, but it, it doesn't doesn't negate from that reveal as well. I think that's, that's yeah.
4: Well, I think because they can, right at the very beginning, Riker's basically just almost doing a double take, going, D- wait, what, have uh, yeah. you not seen this, guys? <laughs> and it's almost like it takes it takes the 50 minutes for Picard yeah. to admit it. It's, it's, there's a nice sense that, that we and everyone around knows it's very obvious. Yeah.
2: There's, a, there's a great scene in the turbo lift where Riker's just basically saying to him, how are you not seeing this, Jean-Luc? Please tell yeah. me that you're not seeing this. But... Uh, there's something with this episode as well I wanted to highlight that there's two great moments of acting. Um one is between Michelle Hurd and the guy who plays Jay, her ex partner, um, mm. when he is basically given her the option of, Yes, I can put you in contact with Sneed or I can put you in contact with your you know, your kids and the look on Rafi's face tells yeah. him everything he needs to know. And it's like, mm. you know she's desperate to speak to her kid again. But she knows she's got to speak to Sneed. And then right at the end, that moment between Picard and Crusher. And not a word mm. is said, but yeah. Picard at that moment knows exactly who Jack is. And the, those two moments are the highlight for me of the episode. Yeah. Two fantastic mm. acting moments and not a word is said.
4: Yeah, great. I think I think particularly with with Michelle Hurd and, and Raffy's character, and it comes to the forefront in this episode. Um, something I think this series has done ac- across the board is to maybe tidy up some scruffy narrative choices from previous series and films and stuff. I think it, it kind of it rectifies a few things, and I think that Raffy's drug addiction, which was like. A really, in the first series of Picard, which was all it was a bit more grim and dirty, and kind of like, Oh, the future's not as future and nice as it is in Star Trek, really. And Rafi's a drug <laughs> addict, oh. and then in the second series of Picard, they're kind of like, No, Rafi's all right now, she's back in her uniform. Whereas this, I feel like, actually brought some yeah. closure to that concept, it kind of it gave more depth to it because um, you know, you can't dump this really big, big, heavy. <laughs> Uh you know mm. character traits on somebody, and then just wash it away for the next series, a little bit like Troy and Riker and their their child loss. I think this series really rectifies mm. how messy that yeah. was in the first series um but I think I get across the like it goes without saying that Patrick Stewart yeah. is brilliant it it's almost like we almost don't have to say that, but everybody is is brilliant in this mm. series genuinely mm. I think this is this is like performance highs for yeah. all of the main cast and especially when you've got someone like gates mcfadden who didn't get to do as much and particularly in the films didn't get to do as much it, it's yeah scenes like uh like her and picard in in the uh you know in the medical bay and stuff it's like it's just really it's a joy to see yeah, those absolutely. scenes
3: happen. I, I remember sort of reading some interviews gates mcfadden was quite heavily involved in a lot of the interviews online before the magazines before the se- mm-hmm. season came out and you get some of the excitement she had. You must have had reading these scripts and going, Finally, look at what I get to do. And she's great yeah. and she rises again. And it felt like this is this, you know, this is in the same way I think, Jeff, when we were talking we're doing our kind of season one look back and we talked about actually De was probably Marina Search's best episode yet, because she really got to do mm. something decent. This is really Gates McFadden really showing us some really great acting chops and doing some really good work with the character. Yeah. In the sense that in the sense the character was always I always found the character fine in the series. There's some good moments, some good episodes, but there was never mm. anything where I went, wow, what a character. I felt that with, with uh, Dr. Crusher in this season. I thought that she was really, really good, mm. yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah. I
2: agree with that. What did we think of Modern tracks first Ferengi, apart from the ones that we've seen in Lower Decks? Modern day live action's first Ferengi in Sneed's. Yeah, they
3: made it more haggard, didn't they? The design as well, but still kind of yeah. quite Ferengi-like as well. So that was good. I thought Sneed was good. Yeah, predictable.
4: Yeah. yeah, I thought it was good. I mean, he he looked like a slightly mm. weedy Ferengi. Like his his ears were a bit smaller and he was a bit mm. bashed up, but also he you know he was uh, um, you know tattoos and piercings and all this kind of stuff. So it kind mm. kind of worked for me. Um, it's like I, I could quite happily see him, you know, alongside Quark. And I no. wouldn't think they were different species. It's like, um, yeah, I quite like the fact that he was a slightly greasy, <laughs> shitty little Ferengi. Because <laughs> also, I think I think the Ferengi nation by this point has, has mm. chilled out a bit. They're, you know, they're not. So I think the idea that if you've got a Ferengi mm. criminal, um, they're a bit few and far between now because you know the Ferengi did become part of the federation and and they had a, a you know an equality act came in you know in DS9 at some point so it's actually Ferengi a bit more a bit less um, a little bit less like us now uh, and a bit more like um, us in TNG so I quite like the fact that yeah, they're a bit more of yeah. an outlier to be a Ferengi criminal
2: okay let's let's move on then um what i think we'll do actually is because we've got these two episodes uh, these pairs of episodes they seem to be because i've looked down the list and they seem to go together the two sets of episodes going forward so we'll look at three and four then three mm-hmm. 17 seconds four no win scenario uh both directed by jonathan frakes whoever he is uh, first <laughs> one is written by jane mags and cindy apple second one is written by terry Metalis and sean Tretta So there we go. 17 seconds and no win scenario. Straight off the bat, no win scenario was an absolute highlight for the series for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
3: It was, I mean, both of them, actually, I think with 17 seconds as well, you feel that like the season steps up a gear and with that one. Uh, yeah. And there's a more there's the yeah. urgency and the ending of, of 17 seconds is quite a gut punch when Picard overplays his hand and that kind of that, you get Riker and pick out a are as well. It's kind of really quite heartbreaking to see because they've been so far, they've mm. been almost like pals together. Oh, we're back on an adventure again, old men, but we get to do our thing. And it's yeah. so much fun <laughs> to see. And then suddenly the situation goes, oh shit, what have we done? And they Remove gonna, yourself from my die. bridge. Yeah, what a scene. So yeah, you think Shaw's going to die, and he doesn't, but uh, you, you think there as well. Riker's back in command of the Titan. He throws Picard off the bridge. The ending of 17 Seconds is is a really really good good episode as well, um, and also Seventy Seconds is is one. And in terms of even with the plot, it's the first time you hear about the ChangeLands, and you get that uh, Worf's mention of Odo, and actually they they can kind of almost like get away with not having a DS Nine another DS Nine character in it because Worf Worf serves is a legacy character for DS Nine as well. So. When you when you are bringing in the Dominion War stuff, I'm really, I really like how this season actually acknowledges, yeah, the catastrophic shit that everyone went through in that Dominion War, mm. and it was immense. It was the biggest thing they'd ever gone through possibly, and and the ramifications are still being felt. And I like that it's not a reignition of the Dominion War itself. It's a renegade bunch that works as well because you kind of that makes sense, but also. I like the callback mm-hmm. to to the impact of the war and obviously warf referring to odo is a lovely moment because you can't you can't have odo but it, it again it raises the stakes and go oh this is quite interesting it starts to give answers without giving the answers that make sense as well so I, th- I thought there's a lot going on in 17 seconds that really really works for me
4: yeah I, I really like it I really like it a lot like you say it again it's an it sort of coalesces a, a sort of an, the next set mm. of, of narrative into place and um, and yeah, that kind of call back to the Dominion War because you you can't just pretend if you're trying to build any kind of like real universe you can't just pretend mm. that that's over. Um, I mean, it's like you know the Second World War is a long long time ago for us now, but it still has you know almost day to day real world ramifications. You know what the impact of, of yeah. like a massive war. Um, and so for you know for Star Trek, it's not even twenty years ago really this this war. So. I think it's nice it's nice that they acknowledge it. It's, like you say, the, the rogue faction makes sense rather than it being a full on reattack, but also addresses some of the, the atrocities yeah, yeah. done by the Federation mm. during the war and this kind of thing. Um I think it's it's again, it's the right type of like narrative callback. Um and it does yeah, the ending is like um it's re it's it's really upsetting because like you say Picard and Riker have been having such a jolly old time (laughs) like oh this is fun isn't it Um, and then they're at loggerheads also it's a tricky one because it's like Picard was sort of right Mm. maybe Mm. if Riker had acted earlier and there's the whole it's it's not quite as powerful as as first contact when Picard calls Worf a coward it doesn't have that same kind of power but when Picard is saying to to Will that you have to stop being scared yeah of, of um, uh, sort of loss and death and stuff mm. um, which I think is in this this episode moments like that are really strong I think yeah um, I think what this does nicely is it's, it just sets you Yeah. You know, obviously these are almost like little two-parters I think Metalis kind of said that they basically are, they considered the season to have little mini-arcs mm. um, and and this and uh, No One's scenario they
2: work so well back-to-back yeah mm. Um, that's it. I mean, I'm looking down this list and suddenly I think that we've got five movies, basically, here. We could watch yeah. them as five uh, sort of two-hour movies, each one mm, of them. But yeah. just one thing I've, I've got to mention as well about 17 seconds. Have e- are either of you gamers? Do either of you play the Portal games at all? Or have mm, you ever played yes. the Portal games? <laughs> yes, um, Instantly, because we saw the first... Um, the, the, uh, the first instance of it in the first episode where they destroy that recruiting station on Metalus mm. Prime um, which was an interesting name for a planet as well, I forgot to mention earlier yeah. <laughs> wonder where they got that from um, but then you see it being used in space and the enterprise uh, sorry the Enterprise, not yet the Titan is trying to get away from the Shrike which is a scary ship as well yeah. Yeah. Um, and suddenly you see them come into terms with the fact that it doesn't matter about them getting away that portal weapon will just bring them straight back uh, and put them straight into the line of fire and I'm thinking how did they not realise that that would have been their best course of action uh, sorry that would have been the Shrike's best course of action when they fire all of those photon torpedoes at it as soon as they fired it I thought they're going to fire the photon torpedo and it's going to hit them in the arse and sure enough that's exactly (laughs) what happens but that Shrike is such an insane starship as well, yeah. because we'd already seen it throw the Ilios at the Titan in the previous episode. We know that ship was powerful, and it's being commanded by Vadic. Um, so, yeah, the... the wanted to mention that about yeah and uh, the, 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 the
3: portal weapon is a really good really great weapon as yeah. well. the way it's done is brilliant but again it, it raises the yes. stakes for no win because no win scenario is so tense and i think no win scenario for a lot of people is probably the highlight of the season and it's mm. it's proper you know it's it's got that kind of almost like Rafa Khan because he does star trek does keep relying on Rafa Khan and this is a bit like that with the kind of nebula type stuff but it, it okay. works. It, it did with the Borg ship in *Best of Both Worlds* as well. So Star Trek likes a good nebula. It's a good way of kind of, kind of stopping them from being blown out, blown, blown apart by a battle ship straight away. Because the nebula is a good place to hide, and obviously screw screwed up <laughs> sensors as well. So I really like all of that. But what I really like about a no-win scenario is not only is it raising the stakes. You know, how the hell are they going to get out of there at the end? How are they going to escape, RADIC? But also, it's Got a proper Star Trek thing. We've Crusher going. This baby is kind of. This, this thing is giving birth. Yeah. And kind of riding the contractions. Yeah. It's, it's a brilliant. It reminded me of things like, you know, Galaxy Child isn't the best episode mm. of the Next Gen, but I like the I, I like ideas like that. And I like how, even in these high stakes scenarios, we've got of the ship being pursued by vadic's ship as well. You've got a kind of a proper, proper Star Trek mystery to solve and yeah. using that to, to find their escape. And it's a great Crusher moment as well because it's probably, I think, after this point, Crusher kind of is more like, after the first 100 episodes, again, Crusher's, she's great throughout, but she's kind of a lot of just there a lot of time in the later episodes as well. Whereas this is a great Crusher moment as well, kind of find that solution to get them free as well. So I, I love that as well.
4: I think one of the reasons that people have liked this episode so much and why it is the standout for so many people is exactly that because it feels like a TNG episode Mm. and it it doesn't feel like the action stops but it feels like appropriately Mm. it's you know it slows down a little bit people people have some reminiscing conversations and they figure out you know the like you say the mystery and then it's the space beautiful space babies and there's awe and majesty and all these kind of you know strange new worlds and new life is is discovered and that's ultimately that's really what we want i mean if if this we keep talking about if this goes if they have another series i would love to see this creative team produce a you know an episodic star trek you know Mm. i'm I'm bored of you know you know ongoing storylines like give me an episodic star trek with you know this team behind it and give me space babies every couple
2: of weeks (laughs) yeah I was going to say, because you mentioned about Galaxy's Child, um, it reminded me a lot of things like the, uh, uh, Booby Trap, um, mm. where they've got to get out of that minefield, the immunity syndrome, night in Voyager, anything where the ship is trapped something and they've got to work out how to get out of there um, just by brain power. You know, it's not about firepower. Where Silence is Lease was another episode mm. as well, where they but they're trapped in this sort of thing that they have to get out of. So, yeah, it, as you said, it's a proper Star Trek plot. Um, and on top of that, they've got the imminent threat from Vadik and the Shrike. So, yeah, I, 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 it was a highlight of the season.
4: And you've got Riker and Picard very, very quickly make up. Mm, yeah. Like, like, Riker's a little bit annoyed for a lot of the episode, but they make up quite quickly and then riker is just like completely badass <laughs> towards the end it's just like it's a brilliant episode it's like it's it ticks so many of the boxes of what you want from a bit of star trek
2: definitely yeah anything else you want to go into from these two episodes before we jump to the next two
3: i think given time we should move on but they are definitely i say raising the stakes and give us there were two episodes i had a great i mean i enjoyed a lot all of it but i had a really great time watching those two episodes
2: yeah, let's have a bit of a nostalgia trip now. Episodes five and six, Imposters and the Bounty, uh, both directed by Dan Liu. Um, Imposters written by Cindy Apple and Chris Derrick. Um, the Bounty written by Christopher Monfett. How much fun were these two episodes, particularly the Bounty? Well,
4: I mean, I'm going to like be completely honest about Imposters. Um, I liked Impostors a lot, I loved the whole um, row coming back, all that kind of thing. Was, like I said, unexpected, it wasn't expected mm. to see that. I did feel as an episode, it wasn't as much fun no. Um, no. as a lot of the other episodes. Mm. It was a little bit, it had a, a slight edge of that grim dark vibe that a lot of Star Trek kind of has at the moment. Um, so, having had so much fun with the previous few episodes, I was a little bit disappointed at the slightly kind of uh, shouty <laughs> kind of vibe on this one that said the the character work in it i think is is brilliant in imposters like the the, the character work um which is what that episode is really mm. about I think was just fantastic yeah
3: the michelle forbes is fant- is wonderful um i mean she always is michelle Forbes mm. does you know she could add the phone book and i 'd be watching anything she does. She's all, She's always good. And and I, I like how they addressed the Marquis and Picard's anger and that kind of coming together and, 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 and that redemption as well. And while also raising stakes, you know, proper, we've hinted about it with episode three. We finalised It's the change lens. You know, we've really kind of cemented what's going on here. And there's a real kind of tension with the changes on board as well, looking quite different as well. So there's an interesting thing going on there as well. But I, I do agree. I, I think there's a... A bit, it's a bit grim. This episode, even the stuff with Metallus Prime with Warf and Raffi and um, Kirk, ever, Avic- I uh, is it avocado, his name, Acavido as well as as Crin and all the all this stuff going on there with the criminal mm. syndicate. It's good, but it's all a bit grim and dirty and 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 stuff. And and I think yeah, there's it's it's not fun. It's it's good. It's good drama. Good yeah. performances. The mm. stuff is amazing. And I love imposters because I love all the Roe stuff. And it's, I'm going to remember it. But, you're right, there, there, there's a kind of... The the, the fun sheen's been taken off out of with this episode. So.
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I I I was sort of thinking a bit too much of Roe for that when I went into the mm. fun side of this. But yeah, the more you say <laughs> it about it. Yeah, the whole thing with Crin and there is a moment that you think maybe Worf has come to the end of his story mm. although part of me was thinking no that's not how that happens although from that point on where he's got he starts lecturing Crin and says no actually I'm losing a lot of blood mm. I need the answer now yeah. um, he gets stabbed was a lot pro- this season <laughs> <laughs> was he does the thing is if Worf says today is a good day to die that you're guaranteed he's gonna yeah. be fine yeah. <laughs> um but one thing I was gonna say is they've used this 10 forward holodeck set uh for a lot of big discussions because we had the great moment from no win scenario where Picard and uh, Jack are talking and then we get Liam Shaw coming in, Captain Shaw, talking about his experiences with what happened in Wolf 359. All mm. of this is happening in Ten Forward. And we get the same thing again in Impostors, where we get that fantastic scene between Roe and Picard, where they've got their yeah. phases drawn on each other. Um, and it's like, do you trust me? And you can see that Picard, no, he doesn't trust her. But they're going to work together for the sake of what's going yeah. on because they both know that that person's there only yeah. way out it, of what's going it's,
3: on. It's another powerful scene. That moment, that building yeah. bubbling anger between the both of them. Again, you, we, we know they're great. Patrick Stewart and Michelle Forbes are great. They're so good together and that bubbling anger as they get more and more more, you actually generally think they're going to shoot each other. You know, it's, like, it's literally mm. like, yeah. and, and then they come <laughs> to that kind of consensus and they agree to work together and then of course it all falls apart so yeah really good stuff. But hey, um, yes. the bounty though, that's a lot of fun. <clears throat> I'm
1: just trying it out. Let me see. That one is the Defiant. That's the New Jersey.
0: Oh well, but this one is my personal favorite.
4: Kirk's Enterprise, all those perfectly clean retro lines. Yep, I'm definitely a constitution class man. It's
1: a fair amount of history for somebody who doesn't give a damn about Starfleet.
4: Oh no, I've always loved a starship. Well before I knew anything about my old man.
0: Oh, oh she's a beauty.
1: Which one's that? The USS Voyager. She made her name farther out than any of those other relics had ever gone. I was reborn there. She was my home. Her crew were my family. And now... You are just trying to find another? We all long for connection. We're all just a little bit alone, aren't we?
0: Stars in the same galaxy, but light years between us.
1: Oh, you are definitely your father's son. He too has a knack for the um, poetic drive-by observation. It can be very annoying, but it can also make a person feel seen.
0: I can't say. Being equal parts irritating and endearing isn't entirely unfamiliar.
3: <laughs> oh, what's that one? That's a... Is that
1: a clean or murder prey? The HMS Bounty pulled from the bottom of San Francisco Bay. Yeah, right, the whole whale thing. Story goes they had a hell of a time finding it. it disappeared.
3: Device had I think that's a nice decompression after the events of Impostors 2. It is,
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the Bounty is an episode that's come under some flack for being fan service, but it's like, nah, come on, it's like it's the star it's the museum, Star Trek Museum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to see those ships and I want to hear that music. Yeah.
3: I, I talked about this episode on, on Make It So and I I don't apologize. I had a big grin in my face for the entire episode. I was, watching, I was watching my wife, and um, she said, "Best episode ever." And I don't think it is, but I can see why she said that because it was like mm. yeah. it's just joyful. It's joyful mm. seeing all those ships, seeing you know, seeing the old TOS stuff as well, and, and even the NX Enterprise and all this stuff there as well. I like the I like that there's some there's some recognition for Enterprise in like in this episode, and obviously in the Penultimate episode as well. But it, it's joyful. I mean, it's great to have Geordie back as well, and um, and all the stuff. The moment with Seven and Jack on the bridge when they see Voyager yeah. as well—it's it's just lovely. Yeah. It's such lovely stuff. And and even the stuff on the—I um, know what it's called Daystram. now. Daystram, the Daystram, Station. It. Yeah, with Moriarty and that—it's fun. It's fun. Mm. And um, the Attack Tribble. <laughs> I love the Attack Tribble. That's <laughs> great. Attack Tribble. <laughs> So there's a really, really good, really good stuff here as well. What also kind of, it's, it is a, it's a slight breather, but also at the same time, they're also coming to attack from Federation ships. So it's not that much of a breather at the same time. Mm. You know, it's still raising the stakes.
4: I mean, I think it's like, you think about TNG and you think about episodes like Cupid. It's like, that's not the best episode of TNG ever, but it's so mm. much mm. fun. It's, it's completely detached from any reality, but it's cute, so it's yeah. fine. You know, it's like they're all running around doing Robin Hood. Wolf is not a merry man, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I feel like this episode, it, it's a little bit like that. It's like the characters go and visit the Star Trek exhibit <laughs> yes. in Las Vegas, basically. Yeah. It's like, but I'm OK with it. And I, the episode, it does progress yeah. the plot and it is silly and the whole kind of, I will say I was a bit, I think that using Moriarty in the the advertising and sort of the, the, the promo material, obviously convinced everybody that it was a huge, significant mm. thing. Um, and I did see a lot of people after this episode, basically getting really confused as to why Data was trying to um, use Moriarty to try, and you know, attack his friends and all this kind of thing which was really frustrating because the episode very clearly says that he was actually trying mm. to speak to them. Um, yeah, he they basically, you know, Riker's kind of like, oh, he wasn't trying to, def- you know, their Worf's little chip had basically corrupted the system enough that Data was able to get through and was trying to send them a message. And I felt that was all very clear mm. and on screen and literally in some dialogue from Riker. But lots and lots of people seemed really confused and seemed to think that the... The defense mechanism was to make uh, a riddle that Riker could solve easily. Uh, And and that sort of several times I've got annoyed with other people's (laughs) interpretation of this show over the weeks. But that was one where I kind of felt, oh, well, is that because people have spent months and months theorizing what Moriarty is up to, to such an extent that they're not Mm. paying attention to what they're watching? Or maybe they're all just missing.
3: I don't the know. Clips <laughs> I, I, and I think as well. I mean, it was a joyful episode with lots of nostalgia. But I said nostalgia that I think served the plot as well. Uh, and Absolutely. you know what? If if you're if you're coming kind of going, oh, it's all you know, miserable. It's all been nostalgia bait. And that's like, well, sometimes Star Trek can just be fun. And I, it was fun. And I had a big yeah. smile on my face. And maybe you know, it's just let it go. If you if you're getting that worked up, just let it go because it's just yeah. it was fun. It was fun.
4: Yes, if if it had been ten episodes of this, I'd have been yeah. a bit like, Ooh, too much. God, calm down, but one in the middle, especially after the big dramatic goodbye mm. row, um, I was quite happy. And, and like we keep saying, it was character. St- you know, seven reminiscing about Voyager. It's like that actually told us something yeah. about her character. We learned a bit about yeah. Jack. We sort of get this idea that actually he is. Maybe he has been listening to his father's mm. logs and is kind of interested in
2: Starfleet and stuff. It, it, yeah. yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> Fuck it was fun.
2: It was fun, you miserable <laughs> bastards. I mean, the thing is, we, we've got this whole thing with the changelings from the Dominion. I mean, the Dominion was used by Deep Space Nine just before the last 10 episodes of um, the big, massive Dominion war at the end of Season 7. What did we have? A siege on Vic Fontaine's Hollow Suite programme. Yeah. A oh, baseball no. game... And a couple of seasons before they went, it's like Cisco, stop fucking about <laughs> Yeah, it's like you're at war with the Dominion, <laughs> and they went back in time to meet Captain Kirk as well a couple of years previously. It's, yeah. it's like, <laughs> no, for these moments, it's a dark series. It's a, you know, it's it's an action packed. It's it's whatever. Let's have these moments of enjoyment. And I think that's why people like Nepenthe so much in the first season as well. It was take a break. Let's meet Riker and mm. Troy again mm. and kill off Hugh, which will always <laughs> sit wrong for me in that episode. Um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but each other <laughs> Absolutely. I'm not going to argue with you on that one. Um, but what else did we have? We had moments of Seven of Nine looking wistfully at Voyager when she was talking to Jack on the bridge. Um, We had the fantastic moments as well.
1: C-sharp, A-flat. Are you trying to play a song for us, some sort of a tune? Yes, yes, a maddening melody, a saccharine song, one that I cannot get out of my head. you know it would work. I shared that tune decades ago with another dear friend. One who dreamt of crows and aspired to thwart Moriarty with the intellect of Holmes. Somebody couldn't whistle with a damn.
2: else but riker would be able to to interpret that musical piece yeah and it was i all love about I love pop goes I, the weasel. <laughs> pop goes the weasel yeah i love that and he the used, flashback
3: he used, he used, yeah he's yeah the flashback the whole, it was amazing i love that i had a big grin my face mm. but but also so the nice. fact that yeah they used he yeah, that he's a jazz player that he, he, he gets music as well it was great he used to really good yeah. effect <laughs> yeah. things like like the, the, the bird of prey the hms bounty it's like you think because going, really but they use it. they use the cloaking device for the rest of the season and it has a purpose mm. it, it all has mm. a
4: purpose yeah yeah oh my god so excited to hear the music from mm. star trek yeah. 4 cuz you kind of you almost take it for red and you kind of oh yeah we're going to have little little twiddles of Voyager and all that kind of stuff but of course star trek 4 soundtrack is is also like really left field mm. in terms of other star mm. trek soundtracks so i was really happy to hear a little twiddle of that Funny, jolly yeah. '80s, you know, action comedy soundtrack in there it was it was that was it was brilliant. Yeah. Grinning me yeah, because it here. wasn't
2: Jeff Russo that did the music for this series; it was somebody else, and I've, I've temporarily f- yeah, it was um, yes, um, I've just yes, got his same, name, Bass, with me. Um,
4: mostly, I think there was a second guy, but he well. was
2: so respectful of everything that had come before, and mm. yeah, some people may have thought it was a bit mm. fan wanky, but you know what? I don't care. <laughs> it's it's for the, those scenes where you yeah. think no, it just yeah, that the heartstrings are being pulled at that point.
3: Definitely.
4: I think I think overall this, particularly this season, is there's a little bit of um, it can't. There are some people that are never going to be pleased. I think there are there are people when the first season came out, they complained that it wasn't star Trekky mm. enough it didn't have enough of this didn't have enough of that a lot of people kind of like oh why not just bring back you know troy and riker that was the best episode in the whole first series ah, da, da, da. we've got a series now where they've basically done all that and people are going oh well why have you done that why are you telling us new stories mm. with new characters and stuff and it's just like, what do you want i think some people had already <laughs> committed to, to the, they're so committed to the idea that they don't like mm. picard that they
2: can't they can't embrace what this series is doing, which I think is very different yeah. to the previous two. But I think as well, there was um, the whole thing about as the new series were coming out, and this this isn't just about Picard, but you know when Discovery came out, they said, oh, you know, we don't want um, serialized programs, then. Uh, we want more of the original uh, characters or whatever. Then Picard came out. It's like, no, well, no, we don't want to, you don't want you going back and retreading old ground. And then Lower Decks came out. It's like, well, Star Trek's not a comedy. And obviously by this point, the Orville was big. And It's mm. like, what do you want? Yes. <laughs> what do you want the show to be? Uh, yeah, that's the that's the problem,
4: isn't it? And I think it's like with with this series in particular. You know, people are criticising it, episodes like this one. They're criticising it for being fan wanky or for being, you know, like like tugging on the heartstrings and, and that kind of thing. And I've seen people saying, why can't we tell new stories and go in new directions and using old villains and stuff? And it's like, you know what? All those criticisms are perfectly valid for every other Star mm-hmm. Trek But this is the a moment,
3: finale of the next gem.
4: But this, this is a finale. Exactly. That's what this is. This is very much putting a cap on those characters. This is the one place where that criticism makes you (laughs) sound like an idiot.
2: Dominion and Surrender, (laughs) uh, episodes seven and eight, uh, both directed by Deborah Kampmeyer. Dominion written by Jane Maggs. uh, Eight written by Matt Okumura. Personally, this is where it slowed down a little bit for me. Mm. These weren't the two best episodes Mm. for me. Um, And as I think you said earlier, Rob, this could have been one episode.
4: I think, yeah, definitely this could have been just one episode, yeah. Yeah. I
3: it's, think. Yeah, um, it's, I mean, that's it. There's, there's some good stuff with Dominion, with Vadik and the revelations about who she was. She was a scientist, probably with <laughs> Section 31, experimenting on changing this. So I like all that. I like how it picked that face. All good stuff. And then you also get the whole stuff on the... A lot of surrender is actually very, very tense. When, when they're on the ship and they're executing the crew, mm. and they're fighting back, and obviously it ends with a brilliant defeat of Vadik as well, blown out into space... There's lot of really, really good stuff in these two episodes, but I kind of hard, it's at the same time hard to distinguish them um, between the two as well. Yeah. it's almost like yeah a halfway point There's suddenly on the ship in the second episode it's like, surrender is the second part of the story with now Vadic is on the ship and so uh, yeah i mean it's not it's, there was some great stuff like War of rescuing Riker and troy after that lovely heartfelt conversation as well lots of really great character moments yeah. still still happening throughout you know I, I can't you know can't deny some really really good stuff but it's also the point when you're thinking, right, we're we'll getting to Frontier Day is now a day away. Frontier Day is now 23 hours away. Frontier Day is now 22 hours away. Frontier Day is now 21. It's like, just get a move on now. We've got to get a Frontier Day. You know, it's, it's almost <laughs> yeah. there, but just let's get to Frontier Day. And we do. We have episode nine. And that's great. But yeah, there's, there's there's good stuff in here. But I think it was, I think the revelations around Vadic maybe came a little bit too late. It could have come a little bit earlier, maybe. It felt Mm. this is the way it's like, we're starting to drag things out a little bit now. And and this is when I... -hmm. With episode seven, I wasn't worried that the series was going to kind of do an FBI episode like they did on season two and really drag things out and and drop the ball a little bit. Because I thought, actually, there's some good stuff towards the end of season two and season one. though I think, not as satisfying as people would have liked. But episode seven was the first point when I went... Oh, okay. I didn't love that episode, and mm. I hope this isn't now is now a yeah. trend we've seen in Picard of it kind of starting to trail off, And it didn't for me, which is great because the final mm. two are brilliant. But yeah, it's a uh, seven particularly was the weak point for me this season, but still a good episode, yeah. and that's the whole mm. thing was good, wasn't it?
4: Yeah, I mean, I th- I think Surrender was the better yes. of the two episodes, and it almost wasn't. It almost wasn't until I watched Surrender that I realised how. Um, Week, I guess mm. um, the previous episode had been um, if that makes like I watched Dominion and, and, and like you I was a bit like oh where are we going it's a, it's a little bit grim again it's not as much fun and you know it's like can we just get to the point point? Um, and then Surrender as an episode was like okay mm. this is moving quickly it's it's quite good fun the characters are all doing stuff and interacting and I was like yeah I actually feel like yeah. I didn't need that last yeah. episode we could have gone episode 6 to episode 8 and yeah. practically not noticed. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there was they've talked a lot about the fact that, that basically because of they had that one big expenditure for the last two episodes, um, that they had to save a lot of money in a lot of places. And I think that's why a few cameos that they wanted to do were cut. I think that's why a lot of scenes take mm. place in the already built mm. 10 forward yeah. set. Um, and you don't necessarily notice it while you're watching, which is a good thing. But when you come out at the end of this and you kind of go, oh, hang on a minute. We never saw this. You know, the Titan only exists. It was like, you know, four rooms and one corridor. It's like you suddenly start to realise uh, that some yeah. cost cutting was taking place, which I think was worth it. And I think maybe this is the point at episode seven should have been something a bit more dramatic mm. or a bit yeah. more like episode four or something like that. But perhaps cost meant that they were just keeping it all a little bit yeah. people in but the But we got the
3: brilliant stuff with Data and Law and all that stuff happening over those whole episodes. Yeah. I was oh,
4: well, that's... You know what? I think one of the absolute best things that this series has done for me, like, really important, um, is re-establishing the relationship yes, between Jordan yeah, and Data. It's so important to me. Because I think that the, the reality is that the TOS films were basically about the top three. And that makes sense because the series Mm. was mostly about the top three. So it doesn't matter that the films were. But when TNG came along as a series, that was an ensemble cast. You had episodes about different characters focused on different characters. They all had different relationships. For a two-hour movie, they had to... You know, it's like we said, Beverly hardly does anything in the movies because Mm. they just didn't have the space for it. And so a weird thing they did in the TNG movies was they kind of tried to... Reshift Data as being Picard's like mm. Bezzy mate surrogate son kind of character. And the previous two series of Picard have kind of followed that on. Whereas in this series, it's like the series has actually said to us, no, this is Geordie yes. and Data, mm. our best friends. And the scenes were like, I'm actually almost welling up now thinking about Geordie's face yeah. when he gets his friend back. And it's like, it's, it's lovely, it's beautiful. And this show it does so much and it's so important I, to me as a fan that they did that and yeah the the lore data stuff is it's an, it's a hokey old sci-fi um, yeah, technique absolutely. but i loved I've, it yeah i
2: loved it all <laughs> and yeah it it's it says something as well i mean um, you know we've seen data die twice and part of me's thinking oh how are they going to explain the fact that data's back again but the moment that you see Data and Geordie together again, it's like you know what? I don't care. Yeah. I I I just want to see yeah. this um, because the moment the Data's first activated again, the very first person he sees is Geordi. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, that yeah, that yes.
4: that was just it was beautiful because you know what when when data di- you know there's so many problems with nemesis mm. and we know why mostly uh but like data dies in that and then you have his little there's they're having drinks afterwards geordie's not even geordie's yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like that <laughs> it's horrendous and then 20 years i i kind of feel like the data that that we saw in in um season one of picard um i don't feel was the true data it's a backup program i think i think you know i mean it's like it's, yeah, exactly. I mean, I know there's the concept that, you know, he, I mean, ultimately you could just keep rebooting him into new bodies. You could have a whole team of Datas. Uh, but especially because if we saw the, the relationship with Geordie being reestablished in this story, this feels like Data in a way that the previous mm-hmm. Data just didn't. Um, and it's because of the Georginess, because you can't you can't underestimate the significance of that relationship. It was just those two best buddies mm. solving crimes on the holiday yeah. together. Just yeah. I miss it.
2: What I would say as well about these two um, episodes is that there was a bit of frustration for me because they both both basically had exactly the same cliffhanger ending. Um, because at the end of seven, you've got Vadic saying Jack. It's time to find out who you really are, and then at the end of eight, you've got them in Jack's mind about to open the door. It's like, stop doing that. It's exactly the same cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. just yeah, tell us, you know. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly it. It's the the the, the two episodes yeah. should yeah. have been one because they don't they don't progress the plot yeah. enough for two episodes worth.
2: They, uh, I don't know how long each of those two episodes were, but they could have made them into an hour-long episode, and I think it would have been fine. Um, yeah. First, Dominion would have been like yeah. the first 15, 20 minutes. Surrender would have been the forty minutes afterwards. Yeah. Is there anything else we want to pick apart from those two episodes, or shall we jump into just, the last two?
3: Just the getting everyone in the in the conference room at the end was lovely. Love
2: that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was oh lovely. yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. I... F- just like, oh, 20 years I've been waiting. And part of me's thinking that maybe Shaw should have been in there. It's his ship at the end of the day, but it's like, it wasn't no, his this ship is a reunion. In. No, exactly. It's, no. it's the reunion. Yeah,
4: no, he's in sickbay yeah. at that and point. And who would
2: have thought, as a bunch of Star Trek fans, that we'd be there getting excited about a conference room. So... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I was. was it's the next generation you've got to
3: have a conference room yeah
2: (laughs) right let's jump into the two-parter then the finale at the end uh episode nine vox vox how did you say it with that thing above the o and episode 10 the last generation episode 9 written by sean tretter and kylie rossiter um episode 10 written by and directed by terry metallis who also directed episode 9 as well i think it was the first time that somebody had written and directed an episode since the original series but that's a completely useless geeky fact (laughs) um well where do we start go on in rob i'm sure you've got a lot to talk about with these
4: I mean, I've, so so I don't want to I don't want to sound like um, I, I'm, I'm doing the the uh, um, sixth sense thing. I knew it was the Borg. <laughs> um, I, I I could tell it was the Borg. I mean, about halfway through the series, I was kind of like, it's gonna be the Borg, isn't it? And I actually think if it hadn't been the Borg, I would have been disappointed because it's the goodbye to Picard. It's a goodbye to the TNG. It's like I don't want to see Picard fighting changelings that's ds9 territory um so i wasn't surprised at all um when troy's kind of (laughs) like it's the borg i wasn't surprised at all but i was actually really excited about it i was like yes of course it is picard's gonna take them down once and for all um uh, i i I loved episode nine um it was just uh, both these episodes together it's just so much Mm. fun um, and I think the 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 pacing and the sort of the, the progression of the characters. I mean, f- right from the off. I mean, I I know it sound it sounds like I'm saying this with hindsight. I was convinced we were going to see the D um, in this. I was never in any doubt that we would not see um, mm-hmm. the Enterprise D. Um, it doesn't take anything away from the moment mm-hmm. when we saw it because because something that this series has done for me like like star trek i i get very emotional about star trek um and but particularly with the the tos movies when i watch the tos movies there are moments in those films that that i well up that bring me to like i get so emotional over one of them is at the end of, of four where they see the new ship um and the end of six where they you know where they're told to go back to space, space dock. there are these moments in those films that really I, I well up because of the the emotion that I have behind them. TNG never had that in its films. The only time really for me I think is, is basically where Picard calls mm-hmm. war for coward. Uh, and then they make up afterwards. Like out, outside of that, the TNG movies, they never really had that sense for me um, of these kind of like, as much as I love them, these big emotional moments. Uh, the series did several times. So this series and this episode in particular it it gave me those moments, those moments of like welling up at the music, at the reveal at the character responses um, like it's 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 for me it was incredible. and I know I know that people are sort of getting all <laughs> huffy and puffy you know oh fan service all this kind of stuff. yeah, but I'm a fan and I want to surface me. <laughs> So so I'm happy with this. And again, for me, everything that happened in this episode was was earned. Um, And it's been earned uh, like 20 years of absence, you know, 20 years of production. It's, you know, 60 years of Star Trek. It all felt earned to me. And, And again, I think I said at the top, in terms of nostalgia and where it comes in, I wanted this. I was asking for this. I didn't want to see a new story going forward. I wanted to see the Enterprise D... Because I'll fess up to this: I can't stand the Enterprise E. I really dislike. <laughs> I really dislike it. I dislike the design. I hate all the arrowhead ships. Um, I love the Enterprise D, and I love the the um, Enterprise A. Those are kind of like my two favorites. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah great. So, so it was very important for me. Uh, to see the enterprise d back with these characters sorry i'm kind of i mean i've barely touched on the previous like 50 minutes of the episode um, yeah. it's
3: all right but it's a great pa- pa- <laughs> yeah. apparently Worf crashed the e anyway as always where yeah
4: that's where see. see, that's brilliant yeah. it wasn't so, his I, I fault enjoyed, yeah it wasn't his fault <laughs> i love this series because i'm a big fan of um hand wave dialogue Mm. Like I, I will accept an awful lot of things in my, in my, especially something like Star Trek. If you give me a little bit of dialogue that just waves it away, mm. Mm. Um, I don't get, I don't get bogged down on on the canon and the, the this happened there and this happened then. So, when you kind of go kind of like, oh well, isn't the Enterprise E a better ship to use? Wouldn't that be a better ship? And isn't it more powerful? And is that not connected? Is the Enterprise E out of commission? that little line of like well we can't use that one and warf saying it's not my fault i love stuff Mm. like that because it just it just dismisses stuff and you don't have to worry about it you can just move on yeah
2: and and i love the fact as well afterwards when warf is saying oh but the e had better weaponry and blah 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 and everyone just says just shut up and it's like even in this era warf is completely shut down (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) loved it again (laughs) warf is amazing yeah Yeah, you're saying as well about uh, just, you know, the emotion there, seeing the ship again. I was watching it, and I felt it Mm. welling up inside. And it's like, I can't believe I'm seeing this. And I genuinely thought I was going to burst into tears. And there's a video I've seen online of of a Next Generation fan who was watching it, his partner's filming him, and he's standing there watching them going onto the Enterprise D-bridge, and he's got tears streaming down his eyes, and I thought, I'm there with you, mate. I'm absolutely there with you. Um, Data had a great line in Episode nine as well, where he says, I hope we die quickly. Yes, Uh, yeah, love that. Um but he's got such a lovely moment as well where Picard is saying um oh, sorry, Picard has got that moment and he says, Is there anything I can say to help? And he just touches him on the arm. Oh, i yes.
3: love that, love that, yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. And I mean there were again, so many moments, weren't they I mean I was I I actually watched episode I had COVID when an episode nine was on, so I was quarantined in my bedroom. I'd been there for several days at that point, but I was kinda of like feeling a bit sorry for myself and so i i was i like had i kind of thought well yes there'll be enterprise d but how are they going to do it because it's obviously half of it's been destroyed i like how they yeah. got around that and it mm-hmm. just brought me joy to see that i was lying in bed watching this episode i was like oh this is lovely just to see an enterprise d seeing yeah. that bridge and the carpets and it's all oh, it it was great the carpets yeah it was great <laughs> and what and maybe and maybe the kind of like uh, the kind of slightly nostalgic conversation about carpets and all that stuff we Maybe could have felt like it was dragged on, given them the massive stakes of what happened previously you know everyone oh, yeah. i love love the idea of the kind of genetic assimilation of all the young people going and how oh, how it worked with the change yeah. and how it all came together and it felt like a kind of a complex but quite insidious but quite well thought out plan the idea that everyone going for transport has been slightly assimilated by a genetic component. And, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to revisiting best of both worlds to see, you know, to see, does it actually tie up the idea that it was this kind of seed planted in Picard as well. So yeah, again, so many really good things, so many really good high stakes before you got to that joyous finale as well. I mean, I love seeing enterprise D I love that it was back. Um, I, I prefer the exterior of the E, but I love the interior of the D so, but, uh, oh. that's, that's where I stand on it. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, but I'm okay with the fact that he wasn't there. I I knew white had to be the D anyway. So mm. yeah, it um it, it worked for me. It was a, it's a real high stakes. I love seeing Shelby. Like the I love the the callback to Archer's Enterprise and how that kind of finally kind of put it in place with canon because it's always been like oh how does mm. it really fit? So I don't, yeah. Again, all that stuff was all that stuff was lovely, and the idea of the entire fleet being basically turned to a Borg fleet—you know—it really raised the stakes. But yeah. also, it wasn't yeah. universe-ending. It wasn't Discovery. The whole universe is dead. It's like, yes, it's yeah. big stakes, but not big, big stakes. It's, it's Earth that's under threat, and I really liked that. And it was a really great conundrum. And yeah, I kind of made maybe again, COVID brain was like oh it's the Borg great it works it works maybe because the Borg we knew so heavily before I wasn't expecting the Borg personally but Mm. I think it worked and I think you're right it had to come back to the Borg and actually as a massive DS9 fan I like the changes were involved in the ramifications of the war and the splinter group but it couldn't really be Picard change list because that's not his Destiny, it's it's. It has um, no resonance. No, either. exactly. Yeah. So you you never saw them in Dominion War. Maybe if they if if like one of the films had been set during the Dominion War, well, I know intellectually it yeah. is, but it's not, is it? So um, but maybe if they'd done take more with Dominion War stuff, you could have had a little bit there. But no, I think that's for the DS Nine crew to deal with. If you're going to deal with that, this yeah. the Changelings worked as a Splinter Group, but it had to be the Borg, and yeah, yeah. And it had to be almost the, the Borg Queen at the end, and all came together was roughly done in the finale too.
2: My thoughts going through the first few moments of Vox um, were obviously we're sent straight back to that corridor and seeing uh, Deanna about to open the door. And as I said, based on the previous two episodes, it's like, oh, we're about to find out who who you really are. And those two big reveals. My thought processes for that first couple of minutes were finally. (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, yes, we're back there. Finally. (laughs) and uh, (laughs) when the Borg cube was revealed but afterwards what they did with the storyline and as you said with the fact that they'd been slowly assimilated through the transporter I thought yeah I like this this is this is a great um, science fiction concept on top of it Mm, and I thought yeah they would evolve they would try everything they could to get you know to get the federation back under the Borg control but there's one thing I've got to say as well, which we haven't addressed from the whole Enterprise D thing. There was one thing that I almost burst into tears from Major Barrett's voice as mm. the computer. Ah, uh, yes.
4: Lovely. Yeah, that was just... Icing on just, the cake. It's just so... But the thing is, it's like there were so many lovely, lovely touches. Um... And I think that, like, not not to, to digress, there was something about this series that I think was, um, there was a, an element of world building. Like, I feel like this era of Star Trek, we haven't told any stories in it properly for a while. Um, you know, like, lower decks a little bit. Um, but, you know, animated and, and live action, you know, they, they do have different audiences. And I think there's something that this series has done it's almost been like a a reintroduction to the wider audience to this particular era of Mm. star trek Mm. and all those little touches you know obviously major barrett is a a beautiful callback Um, but all those little kind of like design touches and little again the stuff that people complain is is fan service i think it's it's not it's it's re-establishing this world so that we can go forward and tell new stories in it
2: Let's move on to The Last Generation um, and our final story because we're coming up on two hours and I think we want to start wrapping up soon. But this has been such a fun chat about this season. Yeah, um, Yeah. so much fun. Who would have thought we would have had Walter Koenig back starting this episode off? That was, Oh, that was lovely. Mm. That,
4: again, an unexpected uh, cameo. I was like, mm. that's cool. Yeah. That's yeah. Like,
3: that was lovely. I kind of wish we'd had some more of stuff set on Earth to the reactions. It was like it was a lot of ships fire on space dock. Maybe you could mm-hmm. have a kind of seen the impact from Earth or in people in space dock itself, very kind of one-sided, but Walter Kenyon as the son of, of Pavel Chekhov um, as the president was a, was a nice way of kind of dealing with that too, definitely.
2: Yeah.
4: Yeah, and I think, uh, again, you know, not... Not to get boring with the behind-the-scenes stuff. I think that originally that he was meant to be on screen and all this kind of stuff it was meant to be more. But the the budget because they blew all the budget on the, the D bridge. <laughs> yeah. um, they were basically like, we can't yeah. we can't afford it. We don't have time. Just get his voice. Um, the, I, I agree with you. I think it would have been nice, particularly space stock, mm. Um because the the little bit of dialogue that, that you know the president Anton Chekhov gives. Anton, again, that's a nice... nice To Anton Yelchin, yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a really nice touch. Um, But I think that, you know, the the dialogue there is basically saying that, you know, the Earth defences are are down and Space Dock is the only thing which is, you know, is now sort of like um, keeping things away. So it kind of establishes this slightly odd, Mm -hmm. because it doesn't quite make sense that Space Dock is the only... But they kind of, again, hand wave dialogue. But I think a little bit of a scene, a, some sequence of somebody in some control room somewhere, kind of going, "Ah, shit! The Earth defences are down. We're the only line of defence left. What's going on?" And a changeling trying to murder someone. That a little bit of something yeah. like that
0: mm.
3: would
4: have just bolstered yeah. it up. Um, but I'm still happy with. Oh, absolutely! Got.
3: Yeah. yeah, goes very Star Warsy. I think with all the stuff with the Enterprise D and the Borg Cube. But you know, I loved. it. I, I had a great time. We, we all
4: yeah you know what I think that that one of the biggest detriments to to science fiction is Star mm. Wars just in terms of you do anything vaguely star yeah. warsy and you go with Star mm. Wars and it, the problem is that Star wars kind of like picked all its best ideas from other science fiction mm. before it and it's so easy to look at that and kind of go oh it's a bit star wars it's like yeah but star wars is a bit this and a bit that it kind of worked mm, for me it did i quite i love i love the way that it the the enterprise moves in the because it's really sort of lumbering yeah, yeah. around it's this kind of um this idea because again it's it's not quite the sort of millennium falcon yeah whizzing yeah. about there's a sort of a lumbering kind of like i i, I really yeah i really like it
2: yeah. uh as well as that you've got them where um, the Enterprise is going through the turrets, and Doctor Crusher of all people is the one targeting mm. and taking out these turrets. Yeah, and of course yeah. everyone turns around to look at her, and she goes, "A lot has changed with me." As you say, the flying through the Borg cube to get to that thing in the middle, and there's a brilliant moment where Deanna Troy takes the helm. Let's put an end to all of yeah. this. Yeah. Deanna Troy <laughs> yes. has crashed the Enterprise. She. I'm taking a lot of this word in from Sean Ferrick's What Culture video recently, but it's spot on. She basically handbrake turns that Enterprise into that area,
4: beams them (laughs) out,
2: gone. Right. Fantastic. And it looks amazing. The control of that ship. Yes, she is a commander. Um, Actually, she is that rank for a reason. Mm. She's bloody good at her job
4: the beautiful thing with this finale and again it's in a way that, that was never really achieved in the films and wasn't necessarily achieved in, in you know that many episodes every single person um, contributes to that sort of finale rescue yeah. part it's like you know it's not a, like Troy like you say she literally I mean again it's it's beautiful it was beautiful when, when she suddenly finally her powers are useless. <laughs> like again, it's the big, it's the big cliche that you know that her powers are basically useless on the bridge, and that she crashed the Enterprise. Right. Whereas here, at the end, boom, powers steers the ship. Bang! It's like thank you, put that to bed. Troy is is badass. Yeah.
2: Um.
4: But everybody gets, and like you say, like like uh, uh, Beverly on on weapons and and data, ba- oh, data basically being allowed to let yeah. rip. Yeah. Yeah. And almost having that that now human um, emotional ability to have confidence.
2: Why am I sensing enjoyment? Like previous. Mm.
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like well, that's the other thing. This episode is so much fun and it's so funny. Mm. Like 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 when Riker takes Worf's sword, like in the middle of all that, he's just like, "Shit, I've no idea this is <laughs> so heavy." And and, and of brilliant. course, Worf's
3: swords are fun lying about why did you shoot the first yeah, place? Swords yeah. of so fun. <laughs> it's, it's,
4: it's,
3: oh, and and, and so snoring much. on the ship afterwards. We sat in Daniel's seat snoring. Oh. It was just
4: beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. brilliant, oh, brilliant. Well, again. There's, there's a. I know. I keep talking about the the films, and and I think that the reality is that we know this is sort of this has been a, a kind of a trying to rectify something that was missing in the films. The the biggest thing about the TOS movies is that there was a big gap between the series and those films. Yeah. And the sort of the the overreaching character arc in the TOS movies was about age and do you have a significant role? Do you have a place? Who are your family? These were all themes that were constantly tackled across those movies with Kirk. Of course, the the TNG movies, they never really had that because they just went straight from the series into the films. And the films, in terms of timeline, were just like other episodes. And so the characters had no kind of off-screen development what this series has done is it's given us 20 years so you come back they've some of them have got kids they've moved on they're doing different things so it's all about Mm. the relevance and how relevant they they are and it also means that you get the comedy of Worf falling asleep afterwards because he's like even old Klingon now it's like the it's it's so so fun
3: before we talk um the kind of the ending I um I briefly want to mention Alice Krieger is back as the ball queen which was great um you know obviously it was CGI we weren't going to get Alice Krieger back in the ball queen suit but it was great I think, to have her back as a finale. and the ball queen herself was quite nasty wasn't she
2: She wasn't CGI Baz wasn't she? I thought she no, was. No. no, that was a practical effect. She was an actual oh. actress that they hang on the hang on the wall, uh, and they basically <laughs> lip synced it assimilated all. assimilated another actress. Oh, okay,
3: but obviously <laughs> Alice didn't... herself wasn't going to be hung on the wall for like six
2: hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got her name here somewhere. Hang on a second. Uh, ironically, I think it's something like Jane Seymour, but there's a middle name, which obviously means yeah, it's like not a double the double-barreled. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh hang on the last generation probably should have had this ready before we started but hey um it's like
4: dorothy warner archer or something like that (laughs) (laughs) or maybe it's just an anagram of alice creek that's what it is isn't it
2: (laughs) it is come on scroll down scroll down scroll down jane edwina seymour oh cool so, yes, she was a practical effect, um, done all in camera. So, yes, that uh, that wasn't CG, um, wow, which is even wow. more impressive.
3: Absolutely, yeah. So uh, it was great that we got Alex Krieger back as the voice, though. I think uh, going back to full circle with First Contact as well, that I thought was really good.
2: Yeah, I loved the whole Geiger-esque look of her as well. It reminded Definitely. me very much of Alien, uh, Alien Queen and that um and it was also species do you remember that that was dreadful but yeah you know, Ge- yeah another geiger, mean, film. Yeah. geiger film and it's many um, straight to dvd sequels <laughs> <laughs> yeah species 58 are we still doing yeah. this
3: yeah and the other thing as well before the um the farewells as well was um badass seven taking out the uh kind of not taking out but kind of taking on the fleet you know but the kind of whole uh De cloaking, kind of guerrilla attacks as well, was was pretty badass as well. So that, that that's cool, cool. mode for seven as well.
4: Yeah, I yeah. Think that kind of, you know, what I was saying a bit earlier about how sevens had like an arc throughout all the seasons. Mm. Mm. Um, it was really nice to see her have that kind of, especially because you know she and Raffi, their relationship maybe got a little bit sidelined. It was quite nice to see them side by side, commanding the ship, just kicking ass in the way mm. that we like people to do every so often on Star Trek. And then next yes. time they can do some diplomacy. But a little bit of kicking ass. Yeah. yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah, I was looking today, actually. The um, There's a new SFX uh, interview with Terry Metalis, And apparently um, they said that they put the Seven and Rafi thing on the back burner to make sure that they could be side by side in command of uh, the Enterprise-G. Well, shall we
3: talk about it? Shall we talk about the Enterprise-G and the finales then?
2: Yes. Yes. There are a number of endings to this because... As we find out, once they sort of defeat the Borg, we're then thrust one year later. And we've got a number of endings, including the shutdown of the Enterprise D, the uh, the, the moment between Raffi and Worf, which I thought was brilliant. Mm. Um, obviously, we've got Jack Crusher then going to the Enterprise himself. Then we've got the moment in the bar.
3: Yeah, Apparently, the, the whole thing the bar took about was it, they, they actually recorded like 45 minutes of footage of yeah. him playing cards.
4: <laughs> I can put that wasn't. footage, we can get that somewhere. I just want to watch that,
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I hope he's on an, on an extra somewhere on, on the Blu ray or yeah. something because uh, I, I, I and I think as well, is I think what while their stuff actually at the bar was lovely, I think that was really just the actors basically almost being themselves, wasn't it? Playing cards, it was lovely, it was the kind oh, yeah. of. But it was lovely. I think it was well earned. And I love... And a lot of people said they would. They kind of hoped that the, at the end it would almost be a callback to the finale of All Good Things with them playing mm. poker. And I, and I really like how that kind of mirrored that as well.
4: Yeah, I think it's lovely because I think that, you know, as as much as, you know, all three of us have enjoyed all three series of Picard and, you know, I think we, we all have, find merit in the various films and stuff, All Good Things was, you know, the perfect finale. And so yeah. there is something nice about not necessarily undoing the mistakes of the the post all good things stuff. But there's something quite nice about just bringing us back to that moment and just allowing that to be the last moment again. It's just it's just be- And I think what you're saying about it being improv and it's being almost the, the actors blurring with the characters. It's almost like the TNG equivalent of the the actor signatures coming up on screen. Yeah. For the TOS crew it's a similar sort of vibe, I think.
2: Yeah, Definitely. at the end of Star Trek 6, yeah, I agree with yeah. you. Yeah, you could see how much they are friends in real life and you can imagine something like that that happening in real life, not with Picard, Riker, Troy Crusher and that, but with Patrick Stewart, Jonathan Frakes, Brent Spiner, you can imagine them all just getting together having a drink and they have as well because they've remained friends yeah. mm. since next generation and when you see how badly some television series casts have fallen apart <laughs> yes um it's nice to see It's that...
4: almost unique it's, it's almost unheard of the the relationship they still have yeah uh, after that show it's amazing
3: yeah, definitely. I mean, the only one I can think of, you know, as you know, big Balanton Five and the Battle of Five cast are like that as well. The ones are still alive, is a, uh but uh yeah, but I think it's quite unique. I think I think even the original Star Trek, I think like George DeKai and William Shatter don't get on, I think, certainly. So there's definitely yeah. a. it's quite unique and, and it's lovely to see and uh it's lovely to kind of almost just experience a bit of
4: that with that scene as well. But almost like you're almost like yeah. a fly
3: in the wall watching the it cast does, hang out.
4: It? Yeah. It feels like you're there with them. Yeah, for that last moment.
2: I did see something as well that made me laugh, though. I thought uh, someone commented online saying, uh, "Bloody hell, next generation cast taking over another series finale <laughs> after Enterprise." <laughs> yeah, slightly better at this time. I, mean, now, I think it's Riker, isn't it? It's always Riker. Yeah. Riker gets everywhere. Well, I,
3: I think. I think Riker's going to be in the Discovery finale. I'm, I'm going to bet some money on that. Oh, he's
4: got to be. I would love. Love it. I would love it. Let's see Just if he... in some hollow program or
2: something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't care. Just put him there. Let's see if he turns up in the Strange New Worlds finale and really bend our brains. Yeah,
4: definitely. <laughs> yeah, come on, come on, Riker, you can do it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, maybe he could be in that because they're doing the uh, the lower decks crossover. Riker
2: could easily be in that. Same timeline. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah. Very it. easy for him to have a cameo on that. Come on, two takes, Freaks. You can do it. <laughs>
2: And that's it for the episodes. Oh wait, hang on, there's another bit at the end, isn't there? Well, look at you.
1: A chip off the old block. Cute. Is that right? Simple name for a complicated being. My father told me all
4: about you. I thought you were dead.
1: Oh, and here I was hoping the next generation wouldn't think so linearly. Young mortal. You have much ahead of you. You told my father that humanity's trial was over. It is for him, but I'm here today because of you. You see, yours, Jack, has just begun.
3: Oh yeah, Q. Yeah,
2: yeah. Jack- I wasn't.
3: Oh, I, I, you, I mean, and you said Rob that you you expected. I didn't expect Q, and um, but I kind of like the playful nature of how they brought him back and him not being yeah. non-linear. The, you I don't know. The I, ones I was thinking, does that take away from actually the, the really beautiful emotional death scene in in season two? In the same way, does you know, bringing Data back negate the, the beautiful emotional death scene of the first season of Picard on the finale? Mm-hmm. But, but I, I don't know. I think I think with Q there's
4: a playfulness about it that you can kind of get away with it too. I yeah no I I mean I I was not I wasn't the biggest fan of him dying in season two as a concept. Um, although the the narrative beats and the emotional beats between the characters I thought were fantastic and like you say beautiful. But even at the end of, of season two, I was like. Yeah, but he's not dead-dead, is he? He's not dead-dead. And especially the fact that he's like, he's Q, he's like, you know, he has his jibe about not thinking so linearly. It's like, yeah, nice one, of course. Of course, Mm. you know, Q's died. Q knows all points in his life. This is Q. This could be Q from like the second week that he met Picard originally
2: and he's popped forward to see what happens. It's it's Q. Fuck it. (laughs) I, I, I throw another one in there in that case for you. What about if this is Q during the second season? Uh, of Picard you know he's he's thrust Jean-Luc back in time and before he starts losing his powers he goes yeah I'm, I'm gonna go fuck with his son for a bit
4: yeah I mean you
2: know what to be honest I don't think it
4: even needs to be that complex it's like the, the when Q comes back and says goodbye to Picard that could very well be P- Q that is sat there at the end of the universe at the end of all existence mm. and he's got like five minutes before all existence snaps out and he goes right I'm going to go and see Picard, and I think this is a good time to visit him. And then anything, he, but he's already done everything before, So, yeah, I don't think it even needs to be that that rigid. So, as, as Q said, we don't need to think so linearly.
2: So it's not just this Q die in, but the whole continuum die in.
4: Well, I mean, maybe who knows? Maybe that's what I mean. It's like they they've kept it nice and vague, which is which is good. Yeah um and and i you know i don't think it i don't think it really matters i think it only matters to people who want to get annoyed about it
3: yeah i agree i agree you know <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah. the big thing that really had resonance for me though was the scene with picard and jack in the collective yeah. um uh, and and the dialogue there and just the the performance between the two actors um was just beautiful and i love the fact that this so much of this sort of like rested on that very personal, um, very personal moment in the mm. story, um, and it, it sounds really cheesy because um, I've got kids, and it really hit. The dialogue really hit me in in a weird way, uh, you know. As as someone with kids, I was kind of like, "Wow," sh- uh, um, which I almost mm. didn't expect um, in that moment. It's like. I I think that was just a beautiful it was all all action but it was also it all
2: was, character. Which is what which is what
3: I, lo- I wanted. He looked great. And did he look great as well the kind of Cavallucci style look that um yeah mm. as well <sighs> it was brilliant. Yeah. Loved it.
2: Do, do you know what I could carry on talking about this for more for like several more hours but I think we would better start wrapping it up. Um I think we have spoken about most of season three there's still a lot that we can touch on but um we've reached the end of our star trek picard coverage here on beyond Point. but we will be back next month with a look back at the episode all good things now this episode is appropriate to us as the topic because it will sadly be the last episode of beyond farpoint Point. Uh, we've had an amazing run here on Sweet Media and we want to thank Steve Roberts and Kyle West for giving us our chance on this network. There's still plenty of Star Trek content content to enjoy here on Sweet Media, though, with the Fire Caves and the Janeway. But this isn't the end of our journey. Baz, do you want to say what we're going to be doing next?
3: Yeah, so as you'll probably know that um, both Jeff and I and, and Rob as well, actually, we we do a lot of podcasts over you know, we made this, so um, I know... Um, I've got a few podcasts over at the moment and we are actually going to be joining the Make It So podcast, the existing Star Trek Picard podcast over at We Made This and we will be continuing monthly discussions over there, looking back at legacy shows of next gen but also DS9 and Voyager as well and possibly some other shows as well. So we will be continuing our Star Trek discussion over on the We Made This network at the Make It So podcast, probably starting from around June time.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, that's where you can catch us going forwards. Uh, thank you, Rob, for joining us. Where can we get a hold of you?
4: Oh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, well, you know what? The easiest place um, is Twitter where my handle is at uh, 4ducks, which is F-O-R-D-U-C-K-S. Uh, like Baz says, I, I do quite a few bits and pieces on the We Made This Network, um, including the You Have Been Watching British sitcom podcast. But generally speaking, if you check out my Twitter, anything I'm working on or guessing on, I, I pimp it out there.
2: Fantastic.
4: Baz?
3: Yeah, br- briefly, yeah, We Made This. Um Crew 2 podcast, I host my son Ben, and a Dream Game Former Bubble no 5 podcast, and while it's still around, generally use Twitter, so anything my books and my podcast, you can find there at Baz Greenland.
2: Yeah, and I can be found at Twitter at NCC underscore 17 Formula 1. Thank you for listening in this month, and we will see you next month for the final episode of Beyond Farpoint. Take care everyone, see you next month. Bye-bye. Let's see what's out there. Engage.